Welcome to We Do, the officially unofficial podcast for Watchmen on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we've now seen season one, episode seven, and almost religious awe at least a few times, at least a couple times, at least one time. Uh, Aaron, after perhaps one more viewing, what'd you think? Uh, I, I actually really like this episode. I... I'm not going to argue about some clunky things in it. Like there, I actually timed it. There's almost three minutes of solid exposition that not only is exposition, it's exposition we already know Hmm. that solely exists to set up the punchline of the villain saying, yup, you got me trap door. Um, And there's a couple other things, but like, you know, when I think about the themes of this show and on the, uh, on the uh, uh, just a couple weeks after the reveal that the first superhero in America was black and had to hide his identity uh, to to operate in the world, we now have an example of a uh, a superhero like on a god tier plane that has uh, like like the way they talked about Christ humbled himself to become a man, become a black man, and to exist in the society he has to hide his power. Um, I think there's a lot of like powerful things like that go- the, in in the corners of even episodes like this, and mm-hmm. I will be amazed if a lot of these weird details, like e- even the lube man, like this shit doesn't turn around in the next two episodes, um, and and say something really fucking mind blowing and profound. Um, and I've got my leftovers T-shirt on, uh, my Kevin Thay Adventist T-shirt on to to wrap my faith in Lindelof that he's going to deliver on that. Um, I could be wrong, in which case we'll have a lot of talk about it. But I, 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 I really liked it. Other than, like I said, the the stuff that I did see is clunky and is kind of weird. But I'm gonna wait to see if it pays off or even how much it bothers me by the end. Uh, how about you? Have you cooled down uh, on any of your hot takes? Sure. Since yeah, I've cooled take? down. I mean, I've gotten some time from it, but uh-huh. my opinion hasn't changed. Uh, so th- this show is weird. The show is half deadly serious Mm -hmm. and then the other half of it is a complete farce right and most of the time they're able to successfully pull that off i think based on the quality of the writing uh and the messages that they're trying to get across to you Mm -hmm. this episode i think is the exception um this episode i felt was weakly written um and i don't know if that's in service of like getting to the point that they need to set up the next two episodes, which mm-hmm. will blow our minds mm-hmm. or, or what. But I mean, I think it's clear that this episode is, if, if it wasn't for the Dr. Manhattan reveal, I think this episode would be much less highly regarded. Yes. But that's, that's saying a lot. That's uh, I mean, the, the Dr. Manhattan yeah, re- meant to reveal is pretty incredible. Like if I wasn't, super sure. active I, I, i've actually come around on the manhattan reveal i think it's it's better done if you because I, I think the the amalgamation of like this being a weak episode as far as the writing goes mm-hmm. but also being spoiled on half of this shit mm-hmm. it really just soured me on that reveal even mm-hmm. the first time i watched it and then getting a little distance from it i'm like okay well the reveal actually wasn't that poorly written i mm-hmm. think it was done pretty well if i didn't have any knowledge of like i mean this shit was leaked back in may that Dr. Manhattan was Cal. Was it really? Yeah. Why did it seem like it only exploded in the last couple of weeks or so? Because people got on Reddit and started pushing a theory huh. that they had gleaned from leaks that came out last so what, so there was May. A, so that's confirmed there was a leak in May. Yeah, that, that I went and I read that. the article published in May that said, hey, I've got inside sources that say he's Dr. Manhattan. 
interesting because that's what i'm saying like that's what like going back to joanna robinson's tweet it's like that is what i was afraid of because there's a whole lot of people and again if you organically i mean it sucks for the people who organically put this together because the pieces are absolutely there the pieces are there yeah uh, and it sucks for you that you're getting, but like, there's a lot of bad faith actors, I think, mm-hmm. on Reddit, and and they're all breaking oh, yeah. their fucking arms and back, trying to pat their back with their arms, and it's not <laughs> right. a great look, and it makes me kind of, yeah. like I said, I it, it didn't because I didn't expect the reveal to be like that. I didn't expect the reveal was literally Angela caving in Cal's head, yeah, to pull some tachyon, and that was cool, to pull some tachyon interference ring mm-hmm. that suppressed his Manhattan powers, like that's that was fucking brutal and kind of amazing and it also kind of um it, it's it kind of flips the table over the, uh, on the plot because like i'm wondering how the seventh calvary is going to take cal is there anything to the seventh calvary <laughs> now that i'm like we're talking <laughs> about the excalibur no. and, like, and, and we're at, at, the, at the end of our discussion i'm going to lay out like all the different kind of like signs that it could have been that cal was dr manhattan but like i i I, how do they take him alive like what i mean i guess there's been they're waiting they know like they've got the jump on him yeah and there's Uh, some big science fiction device in their truck but like what you know adrian veidt smartest man in the world tried and failed to kill dr manhattan before Mm -hmm. uh in 30 years i mean maybe lady true uh, possibly the the daughter of of Adrian Veidt. Maybe she's uh, with with more thought and technology is as developed an effective countermeasure and could be. I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk about her plans because there yes. there's some suspect shit going on with her. Yes, there's there's probably more to her plan than it seems. Um, but yeah, I think like on second viewing, it's still the weakest episode of Watchmen. Doesn't make it a bad episode of television. Just makes it. I guess disappointing because yeah. I expected more. I've been I've been so thoroughly enjoying the last two episodes. I don't even know what it means to be the weakest episode of The Watchmen, though. Like that's it's what I mean, it's, it's your subjective the opinion. Ex- I'm, episode I'm gonna... of The Watchmen. Well, I think it's right. crammed full of exposition in order to get to an end yeah. point that they needed to get to, and so they had to sacrifice the writing of this episode. The other thing is like the the elegance of this episode. I, I do think there is some exposition. Um, there's definitely, like I said, that Laurie scene is all exposition. But there's some of that. I, I mean, wonder- Lady True is all exposition. Her she she goes off like an exposition bomb in this episode. Yeah, but okay, so it's still exposition. Okay. Um, Okay, yeah, you're right. And I don't mind I, a I little exposition, draw, I, but I, that's all they do this episode, other than the, the yeah. reveal of Dr. Manhattan. Well, I was going to draw the line between there's especially egregious exposition that if you you're, you know it, the audience knows it, the protagonist knows it, turns out the villain knows it. Like, mm-hmm. what is this What is this thing being delivered for? An exposition like Lady True where it's like, all that stuff is new information and objectively fascinating, but it was spoiled last week by us reading the PD files. Like all the and stuff. And it's the that, way it's delivered too. Yeah. It's not. It's not just about like, oh, did we know it or didn't we? And that makes exposition good or bad. It's. It's the fact that they could have more elegantly given us all this information. Instead, they just had a character come out and say it all hmm. in a in a five minute info dump scene. Like th- those are the things that annoy me about the episode. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the original Watchmen was a little bit like all those in-universe things that people rave about are nothing but exposition. In-universe things, like yeah, the like PD the files news clip. The, yeah, no, I yeah, mean, yeah. like the like in 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 the original comic, like you had uh-huh. these news clippings and this interview with Adrian Veidt and all that stuff is just yeah um, that the P files are an analog of, and that is that, and so it's like I don't know, I. Like I said, I I if 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 you want to call it the weakest episode, um, that's fine. I 
Do crap. I have to caveat I, all this? My opinion, dude. Like, no, no, I, I get like, it. Do I have to say that I, after every sentence? I, but I have to say, like, you know, as a person that liked this episode a lot more than you, I got to also wave the flag of, like, I thought it was a, 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 sure. an amazing episode, too. So. You're entitled to that. Everybody who thinks all the 99.4% of people, 94% of people on IMDb who rated this as the best episode of The Watchmen, sure, they're entitled to their opinion, too. Mm-hmm. And, and by far, I'm in the minority here. It would be interesting to see our re- organic reaction, not seeing the because, like I said, I would. I three weeks ago, I knew this was absolutely going to happen. Like the second I saw that knuckle shit, I'm like, well, that's that's oh, just yeah. you. Yeah, that there's a particular wrinkle on this fucking guy's middle finger knuckle that's like, like scar, it's like a fingerprint. Yeah. It's like you know, it's like mm-hmm. you, it's 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 game over. Like as soon as I saw that, I'm like, well, fuck, he's a Doctor Manhattan. Um, and then I just stopped reading more of that because I'm like, well, that's super crucial. I don't want to know the details. Yeah. You know, it's like one thing to know that like, spoiler alert for a 20 year old HBO series everyone should have watched. It's one thing to know that Stringer Bell got gets killed in okay. season three of The Wire, which I had spoiled for me by Bill fucking Simmons on a podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I'm like, that. that's the moment I was like, you know what? I got to start watching The Wire because this asshole is not going to stop talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um it's one thing to know that but it's another thing to know exactly how it goes down and like sure. knowing that happened didn't you know lessen my enjoyment of the reveal and i found the same thing happened this time because if i had known that like with the hammer and the context and with yeah the, yeah but but like i i got caught up in the moment because mm-hmm. it felt like a real race against time and then like i'm like what's she gonna do when she gets there and Housekeeping. Club members, this housekeeping tidbit is for you. As you probably know, Jim and I love Christmas, and we've had this nice little tradition where we drink up and do podcasts and live watches of movies with some kind of coordinated Christmas theme, and we do especially drunken lunches with Jim and Aaron on Fridays. This year, the theme is Mary McAllister McLeanmas 2, Christmas Harder. We'll be doing the sequels to movies we've covered in previous Christmas celebrations, such as Home Alone 2, Jingle All the Way 2, Die Hard 2, and as is tradition, a final surprise movie for Christmas Day. And non-club members, we have not left you out. Last year, we did a very Giamatti Christmas, which was a 12-minute animated short slash epic tone poem about Paul Giamatti desperately trying to get a last-minute Christmas project greenlit, and it received um, mixed reviews. So Jim and I decided to release it to a wider audience, hoping it gets the appreciation that I, I I don't does does it deserve appreciation? Re- reviewers suck. <laughs> uh, this I know. There's one thing in life I know. Reviewers suck at everything. Yeah. Uh, I'm particularly proud of that project. I thought it was great. I still love it, and I think more people should see it. And we're going to take steps to make sure that happens. So if you want to see the full schedule and access all the Christmas season celebration, go to baldmove.com. You literally won't be able to miss it. Uh, the very Giamatti Christmas is at the very bottom of that page. So scroll down. And uh, check it out. See what you think. Finally, me, Cecily, and Jim put out the second episode of One Weird Trick over at SwizzBold.com this week. This one, we give advice on dealing with depressed parents, managing a difficult career transition, and late 20s dating on way. On way. How do you pronounce it? On way. On way. If any of those sound... If any of those sound good, please check out BaldMove.com to subscribe or search for the show name wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode title is reference to a quote from Dr. Manhattan from the comics where uh, he kind of, exp- I don't know what he expressed, he expressed his surprise, amazement, amusement um, at the Viet Cong wanting to uh, personally surrender to him. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he explains their terror of me balanced by an almost religious awe. Um, yeah. And there's a scene, I don't know if this is in a comic book, it's definitely in the, in the movie where like all these Viet Cong are like bowing, a field of them are bowing before Dr. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that set up, that, that sets up the, the intro here re- really, really well. Yeah, and it should have been a tip off that this would be the Dr. Manhattan introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but All right, let's get into the recap. We start off with an ad for Manhattan and American Life in 1980s Vietnam. Uh, young Angela rents a movie called Sister Night and asks her parents if she can watch it. They say she can't because people who wear masks are dangerous, uh, according to her father anyway. And she goes to take it back to the store, but before she gets a chance, a suicide bomber kills her parents. And this is the accident that she's always been referring to about how her parents died is it because I, th- I think that we have conflated two things her and cal talking about the accident is referring to cal losing i thought his... there were two accidents one with I, cal one with her parents i but i i, I did a little but, bit of poking i couldn't substantiate that huh, they okay. refer to the accident and it's something that they shared but it's i think because they collaborated on this whole plot to hide his dr manhattan-ness uh because this isn't an accident. This is just an act, straight-up act of, of terrorism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see how someone might want to label this as an accident that, yeah. that claimed their parents. He slipped, tripped, and fell on the no, the jeep no, with the, a with the. The bomber's not the one who would label it that. He's yeah. not labeling it shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, a, a young child might want to like not deal with all mm, of the ramifications of this saying. this event, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff here. Like, I yeah. think it's interesting that like John Osterman is the story of an immigrant and refugee who came to the United States and became a godman that saved the United States from the Cold War, won Vietnam. And there's a lot of parallels between like if you look at the Manhattan Project, how many of those scientists were, mm. you know, same kind of immigrant refugees. Yeah. And you look at how we're currently treating immigrant refugees, and I keep wondering. It's like, hmm, how many of those kids locked in cages would have maybe done something on a on a manhattan scale either mm-hmm. project manhattan or dr manhattan well no one on a dr manhattan that's 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 crazy science fiction shit but you know what yeah. i mean like mm-hmm. uh you know cured I, cancer yeah uh, that's always the the go-to right <laughs> like oh, one of these kids could have cured cancer right 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 um or one of them could have caused cancer like dr manhattan um but I, I thought that's a really kind of subtle point that amongst all the other stuff that shows doing was kind of nice i also just really love the grainy newsreel footage of dr manhattan like this it's just so low lo-fi low budget like green screen work but you, you run it through a vhs filter and it, oh, it yeah. looks really great no it looked looked good i, I like that they ran the logo through the vhs filter too mm-hmm. they, they always stylize those in, all, in some kind of way and this was the vhs version um, there's also some weird stuff going on in this scene that doesn't make a lot of sense in context of this episode, but I think will make sense in the context of both next episode and also the PD files. Um, when Angela's walking through the street, there are bikes constantly whizzing past her hmm. constantly, like just inches from hitting her. Mm-hmm. And like, at first I, I was thinking, Hmm, is this just a Vietnam thing? Like, okay. I know that typically Asian countries use a lot of bicycles, uh, for transportation and, and scooters. Like I've seen like just right. endless streets of just jam packed scooters in some of these countries. Yeah. And so I thought they were just going, okay, well they're trying to set us in the, the mind state of Vietnam, uh-huh. but on reading the PD files, I think there's more to it. Just trying to set up the like plausibility of a certain accident. Yeah. And I guess I'll wait till the end when we talk about the PD files to really get into that. Yeah. Yeah. Sell them. You want it. You want, you want that, you want that engaged Stick listenership around. all the way till the end. 
right uh anything else on this scene uh-huh. oh oh i do like the 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 interaction she has with her father here mm-hmm. um where you know they talk about this tape and why she can't rent it because people in masks are dangerous uh which you know it's a little heavy-handed when they start to flash back but we're experiencing all of this through angela's fragmented memory so i give it a pass right um and it actually makes a lot of sense that we would see these flashes of back to will's uh son's childhood yeah where he it's, discovers it's, his father in this mask and he scares him mm-hmm. um that all makes sense. it's it's plausible in universe it's super effective on artistic level so yeah i did i did as and, well and it makes me think that angela wants to be dangerous yeah like as an adult angela has a lot of anger a lot of fear um mm. she's you know been through an extraordinary amount of shit in her life apparently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh on top of just being a black woman in america right um and so i could understand why she would want to be perceived as dangerous yeah. right especially after events like white knight uh-huh i there's also there's a lot of world building here like all this like dr manhattan hysteria um and i thought yeah. that yeah because like v- I, that's vvn day i think is what they call it um i think it's called vvn day victory over vietnam day mm-hmm. which is like a sort of celebration that uh they have for you know mark marking the the day that uh dr manhattan liberated i conquered i well that's i don't know the what thing. to call it like, and, so... and there seems to be a lot of uh discontent yeah uh in certain people yeah, I mean, I that's goes back to like this Ken Burns documentary I watched like three years ago now about the Vietnam War, which you know portrayed the idea that you know, this is a civil war, sure, but it seemed like the side of the government we were propping up was the less popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like it's it it is weird to see, but but that everything's weird about that, like the fact that they would glorify Doctor Manhattan, this like vengeful god that strode across the land like a you know like a vengeful god and and, and obliterated people. I thought that was interesting, but then I started thinking about like in the context of religious awe. Like I always thought it was weird as a former Christian myself, the idea that Christians use the cross, the instrument upon which Christ was executed and tortured, as like the symbol of their faith when. Mm-hmm. They could have gone with like a stylized heart or like the fish thing. I think is kind of cool, you know, Fisher of Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they go with the torch, like such a such a kind of ghoulish thing. Yeah. But like no one thinks twice about it. So like it struck me as kind of ghoulish to have all these kids like you know Doctor Manhattan everywhere. But like maybe that's you know a thousand years in the future, it'll just be seen as like oh, of course everyone paints Doctor Manhattan eggs on VVN Day because you yeah. know he's God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing he says is, it's just pretend until it's real, which I think could not be more applicable to modern society. Um, and and you can look at it through the lens of media and say, you know, how how many people are influenced by what they see, what what kind of media they consume. You know, Angela very much is. I mean, she doesn't take up this Sister Night persona because she came up with it on her own. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of the feelings that she has are just sort of embodied by that, but she has sort of this this easy way to say, hey, I'm going to emulate this thing I saw, mm-hmm. and that's going to try and make me somehow feel better, mm-hmm. uh, be less fearful, um, be more dangerous. And yeah, I think that's, that's so apt with like <laughs> just... Uh, how how the shit can get in your head sure. and start making you forget what matters to you mm-hmm. and sort of glomming onto whatever it's telling you. Yeah. 
which is interesting in a show that I think has a positive, interesting message. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know what what it's trying to say about itself here. No, that's something we've looked at a, a time, like how culture shapes the media and media shapes the culture. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you go from in, in a 30 year point, you go from uh, it's a wonderful life to, to fucking Wall Street, you mm-hmm. know, greet uh, from. Uh, Greed is bad and it's villainous and it and it, it it destroys the 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 common man to greed is good you know it's like that's mm-hmm. what is is a little bit of the dog wagging it or the the tail wagging the dog or vice versa and it's probably both yeah you know it's like uh it's it's a mirror but it also distorts and kind of like directs things and it's fascinating it's all fascinating and like having media itself engage in this kind of criticism of itself is mm-hmm. a little bit Spider Man point in Spider Man but right. <laughs> Uh, there's also a lot of shots of like insert shots of Tulsa and the uh-huh. Black Wall Street massacre right um, in this scene, which sort of gave me the impression that they were trying to parallel the colonization of Vietnam to mm-hmm. the Black Wall Street massacre. And j- just, uh, you know, uh, Angela's trauma, uh, vi- experience of violence, uh, trauma sure. and, and, and a violent society rebelling against its oppressor with because um, there's a Wills, little bit yeah. of. Um, in the PD files, there's a little bit of like Agent PD's talking about like you know this black immigration to Vietnam. There's a little bit of almost yeah. like a carpetbagger type of feel. Like you mm-hmm. know, here's an oppressed underclass in America going to Vietnam, uh, where they're essentially all oppressed underclass by Americans to get you know to take advantage of the economic opportunity. Yeah. Um, which I thought was interesting that like she is it's almost like frames her as on like the two opposite sides of that equation but still the genetic you know this whole genetic trauma thing is is is, is a plot point that's tracking through through the series yeah for sure um i i was trying to figure out if this scene is saying anything new about that but i don't think so i think it's like you said just tracking the whole thing um, so then we move on to modern day angela's blasted out of her bed by was her she ever that's the most that's the hardest hit I've seen since uh, Chuck on Better Call Saul. Right. Like, holy fuck. I, I, I watched that a couple of times. Like, how did they do that? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Uh, and then Lady True gives her the rundown on her situation by injecting her with a neurochemical advertisement for the medical procedure she's currently undergoing. Uh, Angela wants to talk to Will, but uh, Lady True says that's not a good idea yet. And then she asks Angela what she was remembering, and, and Angela lies to her. Which I have to question the wisdom of lying to someone who has such a powerful command of memories. Yeah. Probably just monitoring what's going on in your head. Just put a fucking advertisement in your brain with an injection. Mm-hmm. And you dare to lie to this person about what you were just remembering? I guess she's uh, testing her the limits of her power. I also thought, do you think there's a little meta commentary that like, uh, Angela's undergoing through this process the entire episode. Mm-hmm. And the tutorial tells us that this process is going to be tedious and maybe find a good book or stuff. <laughs> Do you think that like Lindelof's like, boy, this is awful expositiony and this mm-hmm. like and, and put that in there just as kind of like a, a private meta commentary on on his fears of the episode itself? Could be. Could, that sounds like a cute be- sort of thing. To because even the do. way it was delivered was mm-hmm. like very. Uh, what do you call it? What, not parody. Um satirical it's hmm. like it's like yeah. the person reading it was in on the joke like uh we know this process would be really pe- uh, uh tedious maybe find a good book you know mm-hmm. just just relax and just let it wash over you i thought that was funny uh it, anything else that you want to talk about this whole procedure she's undergoing this recollective infestation the, the nemo dialysis 
right is yeah um saturate the brain with the cerebrospinal fluid from a neutral host i mean angela assumed that was her grandfather i don't know why because he wouldn't be a neutral host he would be the opposite of a neutral host you would think so yeah uh i still don't know what it is with the elephant there is definitely though some kind of big elephant tie on tie in because we talked uh you know this kind of when i found i found on reddit someone's uh pointing out that the late the the true industry's logo looks like a stylized elephant yeah. and i remember that lady true from uh, uh the, the vietnamese legend like rode into battle on an elephant and i'm like there's not there's 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 a lot of there there i'm not sure if all is going to connect or what it all means but it's it wasn't as random and like oh, oh, elephants have the longest memory kind of as i as i well, assume i watched it it still very much feels like that to me well, it's it definitely feels layered like, it's there for well, sure the they they tried to think of like oh th- okay so we've got this theme of like uh handed down generational memory stuff uh what can we do with that i don't know elephants have memories right Let's just load this thing up with elephants because memories and elephants. I guess it It doesn't feel like there's any real solid connection here. It's more just like the the cuteness, the like it's loosely connected in the minds of some people that like elephants have long memories. So we'll go with that. Well, it depends on what happen here because like i guess i don't mm-hmm. i don't know why it depends on the process but like in the writer's room i feel like if they came up with uh lady true and the hell uh, elephant mythology and the logo and they get to this and it's like what is a neutral what kind of neutral host he's hooked up to and someone just said an elephant and the la- the room all cracked up and they're like fuck why not an elephant like i don't i don't mind that like it's cute but like cute like a puppy is you know not cute like a like a it's cute like it doesn't mean anything and i yeah. i guess i I don't know, but I, you know, I, I would prefer some sort of where where I'd be annoyed if I thought that they wanted the elephant because elephants have long memories. And let's hook it up to there, and then uh, to make this make sense, let's make sure she's called Lady True and she has an elephant logo, and like that feels a little bit more. Where and I don't I don't know why that changes my impression of. I mean, it, yeah, it has no bearing on the end result. You're right. I don't I don't know. It's it's not just you know this one incident that makes it feel too cute. A lot of things mm-hmm. have felt extremely cute and and pointlessly cute you know it's like okay well let's throw this thing in there because it'd be funny and i'm fine with funny it's just they're they're creating they're trying to manufacture connections to things that don't actually connect in some ways and i think like i'm trying i'm struggling to understand why lady true with the elephant is meaningful and and maybe it's because we don't have enough information about lady true i know i know that's where seven episodes in next to nothing Mm -hmm. about lady true i don't know if what she's telling us is true Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's false Uh, no it's not a pun what is true no Mm -hmm. just roll with it is there truth and Uh, and so like i just don't see the connections yet mm -hmm. and maybe they'll present themselves that's what i'm saying like two episodes two episodes from now get there yeah two episodes from now like there might be a lot of explaining a lot of explaining to do yeah, uh, but until then, I think it's 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 funny and cute, and I, I liked all the connections to the animal. Okay, uh, let's move to the next scene. Cal tries to get in to see Angela, but he's stonewalled by at the gate by hologram of Beyond uh, Red and Pyrogenic are standing watch outside, and we've got like ten hours until the Millennium Clock is activated. Uh, Twelve. And it keeps so cut, the whole episode's it, a countdown. It, it keeps uh, yeah counting down where we get like. Uh, 
I remember last episode we were trying to de determine like how much longer do we have, and it's yeah. like we're almost completely out of time. Like I think, I think it's one hour. There's an at hour the end left. Of the yeah. So like it's next episode's going to be jam packed. I wonder if it's going to be one of them real time episodes. Could F be fucking uh, could be Jack, one shot. Jack Bauer. Yeah. Single shot episode. Yeah, yeah. Water. I doubt this show A would water. try anything like that. <laughs> Fifty-eight minute, twenty-seven second Warner. I want to nah. see it. Uh, hologram technology. Any comment there? Just yeah, being more appears in a holograph. Okay. Uh, anything else on that scene? Kind of surprised Cal was mollified by that. Yeah, like I, I mean, I guess that they. they they, they they mentioned that Cal's a pretty kind well, of. Well, he's, uh, he's not. I mean, he goes. He he then shouts like, "Where the fuck's Lori?" Uh huh. He doesn't say fuck, but because hmm. he's gonna go to Lori, he's gonna take it above everybody's head, right? I just think like, I don't know. It's like I was hoping that Cal would like at least physically try to be like, you know, fuck this, I'm going, and maybe have to be like tackled or stopped. Hmm. But it's like, uh, considering their circumstances and recent events, he was pretty kind of like, well, I, you know, I've asked, and there's gatekeepers, and they're keeping the gate. So what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, then we move on to Lori listening to the recording of Angela she got while she was under. Uh, Petey calls up and says that Looking Glass is missing and a bunch of 7K are dead in his bunker. Uh, Lori tells him not to call it in just yet because she's got stuff to do. I kind of want to stop here with the Lori stuff and talk Me about too. this because I, I, I like this. I, I, I enjoyed being able to hear what they were recording because uh -huh. we talked last episode about like what the fuck must that have sounded like. I guess it is just literally her narrating. It is what a little she's detached. It was like a little yeah, dreamy. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, uh spoken with like the verve and fear that some of those lines probably came out in. No, but yeah. It, it, it was, was nice. Uh, she was in some kind of trance. And here's another scene where the joke is, yes, 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 we know. I already we, we've already been told this why like like making fun of the its its own exposition. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I think Lindelof kind of knew that he was walking a fine line and yeah, he put a bunch make of jokes it better. about it. Yeah. Lampshading it doesn't actually make it not a fucking lamp. Uh, but anyways, it makes it pretty. <laughs> it, well, to some. Uh, wait, Depends did, on the lampshade. Did you go back and check and see how many 7K goons jumped out of the van? No, I didn't. Did you? I did. Okay. One came out of the passenger door, three came out the back, and there were four advanced on the house. Presumably there was a fifth driver... So my surmisal is that somehow they went to the house. Uh, somehow Rorschach got to jump on him with the boom, boom. Uh, the fifth guy hopped out to try to help his friends, and he got slaughtered too. Um, okay. Because I was looking to see if like six jumped out and there's five bodies, then there is an unaccounted seventh cavalry, and there's you know Wade probably running around in masks. But I think we well, that's the thing that I think is more interesting. Yes, there is a seven K member on the ground without a mask. Yes. Which that's, makes me think that's what that's what Cecily was making fun of me for all morning long when I was trying to count. She's like, "The, the important thing is the mask missing," and I'm like, <laughs> right. well, "Yeah, but you don't know that there could be six of these guys." Or that's true. I I think the episode is trying to tell us, like, look, uh, LG took the mask and mm -hmm. uh, he's now going to infiltrate the seven K or something. To what end? Now let me ask you know. this: Is there a possibility? Yeah. That this is some kind of false flag deal to like make it look like Wade got jumped by the Seventh Cavalry and put him be like you know because the, the the takeaway is that Wade is not working for the Seventh Cavalry. Mm -hmm. The way to really sell people working for the Seventh Cavalry, although he's now part of the Seventh K, <laughs> he's not working for them uh, in face only. 
what do you mean? I don't understand. So if he takes the mask and he goes undercover in the seven K. But like I said, like what if there's what if the whole point of the scene is to sell to like Lori and other law enforcement that Wade is still like not on the board with the seventh K? Because from what all Lori knows is that he helped her with the Angela situation mm-hmm. and then he got immediately jumped by the seventh K. So I think it would be interesting if he's actually turned turned traitor, um, and he's that he, they, they they I guess you would say that like these guys sacrifice themselves in some kind of like bane plot to yeah. like sell that, like oh no brother they're expecting three bodies you know it's like <laughs> they're expecting five goons to jump out of the van Aaron's going to count them you know it's <laughs> it's something like that pretty far fetched yeah, but what the I'm, fuck I'm... how's Doctor Manhattan. Uh, I counted yeah. the knuckle hairs on the dude that had a mask <laughs> off, and it turns out that was Wade. Wade is 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 a, 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 done a done a double reverse heel turn. No, I'm pretty sure the the episode wants us to think that Wade is now undercover. Yeah, that's what they want the you to think. Exactly. Yeah. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to the second part of the Lori scene, where she sits down with Jane to discuss Jed's death. Unfortunately, she's sitting in the exact wrong spot. So when she gets close to the truth, Jane reveals that she's been working with Judd and Joe Keen all along and drops her through a trapdoor. Jane then calls someone, probably Keen, and asks if she should kill Lori. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this just a dumb, like, super racist or dumb people kind of joke? Like, they're the type of people that would have a trapdoor installed. <laughs> What's dumb about and a trapdoor? And try to use it. I mean, there's just like, she could, I don't know. I don't know. Like, just so many different ways you can incapacitate someone with that much of a jump on them. Yeah. And with Lori being... So so the the, 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 the thing that I that kind of changed my mind about this being a bad scene is the idea that's kind of tickling uh, a lot of people's brains, which is, what if Lori has got the 7th Cavalry exactly where they want them? Like, like knowing now that... Uh, Wade is maybe working on their side. She wants to be captured by them so that she can... I mean, this is like a long con type of game, but like maybe she's intentionally allowing herself to be captured, which is why she doesn't react to her whipping out the remote control and pushing five different buttons. What if she's just killed in this scene? Huh? What if they just kill her in this scene? I I don't know. Like, it's a huge risk to take if that's her plan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I also don't think that she expected the... The trapdoor. No, also, I think it'd be no, hilarious I, if, like, if, if Lori had just like gotten out of a chair and like taken a defensive position or something. Yeah. Like, this all wouldn't have worked. It's a bizarre. Right. It's a weird scene, but I, I don't know why at this point in this show we are taking exception for weird scenes being weird when there's been so many fucking weird scenes. Um, except for like, there's a, maybe a little bit of angst that we're getting towards the end of this, and they yeah. can't all possibly make sense or pay off. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, the, the the weird scenes from before have been in really well written episodes, and I've always been, you know, excited to see what comes next. And the weird scenes in a subpar episode, in my opinion, mm-hmm. let's, let's get that in there, mm-hmm. uh, stand out more as weird scenes for the sakeness of weird. Fair enough. Uh, sakeness? That's not a word. Fakeness uh, for the sakeness. Fakeness till you makeness. Uh, all right, let's move on. Actually, no, one one other thing. So Lori clearly was not on guard in this scene, right? <laughs> she um, was the opposite. She got taken completely by surprise, and you would think if she suspected that Jane had anything to do with this, or perhaps you know this is all her master plan, but if she suspected Jane was in on this, then she would have been more on guard, which 
some people are reading as, and I think I, I find this interesting, if not true, but there's a lot being made of old white men in both this show and also in society right now mm -hmm. as being like, you know, c c destroying everything. Um, and in large part they have over the years, but mm -hmm. like there's a sort of a blind spot to perhaps old white women who might mm. be just as racist and in on the whole thing. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. And so I, I kind of think that's what this scene was getting at a little bit with her being not on guard, right? She couldn't even conceive that Jane would, would have been in on this, right? It was all Judd because mm -hmm. he's the old white man in the situation. Hmm. So I don't know. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's not. It's weird, though, because like I... It feels like Lori be the last type of person to have that kind of chauvinistic view of things, you know, as a powerful woman of action herself, you know, that you'd think so. Yeah. But. Was, was partnered up with another powerful man of action that was wearing masks and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, I like, I guess I like the idea of her like, you know, getting them to put her in a position exactly where she wanted to, uh, wanted to be is I like that better than her. Just like, you know, having a blind spot about this old, old white woman. I mean, it's possible neither of those are true. Yeah, it's entirely possible. And she's got Prob caught off guard. Probable even. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to beyond visiting Angela in her room to psychologically test her with a series of images and questions. Uh, she also asks why she lies to her children about being a cop, which sort of triggers... I don't know if it's a trigger, but she slips into a memory of the cops asking her to ID the bomber who killed her parents. And she does, and the man is taken away, and he's taken behind the building and he's shot and then the police officer gives her a badge there's some blending of will's memories and she places the badge next to the vhs tape of sister knight and then she comes out of the memory and beyond asks her what it was like to feel and see what will did she says it hurt and then she confesses to being the clone of her grandmother or not that she hasn't confessed but like she she makes a whole bunch of statements about having the memories of old books that they really oh yeah that, about yeah. her her nightmares yeah yeah. Um, what did you? And start of the scene. There's this uh, voiceover that's intoning like all these updates, like nine hours to clock activation. This one, uh, they said, personnel designated as green report to the medical facility for removal of any remaining metal implants. Yeah. What's up with that? You're gonna have some electromagnetic shit going on. Apparently. Yeah. Don't want any metal in. Like, like, how easy is it to remove a metal implant? <laughs> right. Uh, it's like, well, I got nine hours to remove my fucking hip. Oh, that's just a bunch of Dr. Manhattans down there. <laughs> they got to all get their metal rings oh taken out of their God, foreheads. What if that's true? <laughs> I would like it better if the personnel were designated blue. Yep. Uh, that but, would be too obvious. Yeah, you're like, right. Like a scar on a knuckle. So fucking obvious. That's right. The new new Manhattan is, yep. is green, baby. He's working on green energy, not blue energy. That blue energy's got causes cancer and fucking oh, yeah. batteries blow up. At green, that's all rebranded re Manhattan. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know what it is with the green stuff, but apparently, she's got a lot of employees that she wants to deliver a speech to. Yeah, when when um, La Lady True's kid, uh, or I guess mother, being asked her why are you a cop, and there's like all these multiple flashbacks of like the Bass Reeves. Will getting his badge, the racist cop lyncher, like it, it that that also worked on like this genetic memory of like almost yeah. the inevitability. The way her grandmother June observed, like 
oh, you want to be a police officer? Of course you do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's literally in her blood. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, this is all of my favorite stuff of the episode. Uh-huh. I think all, all that stuff with Angela blending with Will's memories, that all works and I think is is pretty skillfully done. Um, so yeah, I, I really like those scenes. And how like steely like Angela is, like no, not like she not only is not afraid to finger the bad guy, but she also wants to probably would would prefer to see him being executed. Yeah. It's also like how it's, there's something also about this extrajudicial, there's some kind of connection about this extrajudicial killing in Vietnam with Angela being attracted to the mask with her Mm. grandfather getting justice with the hood instead of a gun or instead of a badge, like, all that stuff tracked and was very like I, I can't articulate it exactly the through line and I don't but think we're supposed like to it. be able to yeah. I think this is one of the things that I don't think is too cute because they've set it up with this nostalgia yeah, it's stuff. visual poetry it just right. works right um, the the other one of the other things I want to talk about in this scene is uh, Bian's, uh dissertation that she's writing mm-hmm. seems to be of a piece with a lot of the stuff that her mother is well mother slash daughter is talking about uh it's the adaptive function of empathy and the role of rage suppression in social cohesion and as as that relates to kind of was what... it rage suppression or racial suppression no it's rage oh was it rage oh fuck well i wrote it down wrong yeah uh, at least that's what i got out of it um yeah and and you see later in the episode where uh lady true kind of explains to angela what when, or actually during the speech where she explains to everyone what went wrong with nostalgia, mm-hmm. those two things were sort of at the heart of it, right? They were mm-hmm. trying to induce empathy via nostalgia, and that actually didn't work because of this rage that everyone had. They were reliving their old worst moments. Um, and it seems like Bian is working on some kind of study of that if not solution to that mm-hmm. right which could tie into the millennium clock probably does there's also something we've been talking about these twins like that we saw like these clone puppies perhaps these clone people to work at repet or whatever it's called and mm-hmm. then be in holding up this these cards of identical women and asking which one is angriest while she herself is a copy of another woman hmm. yeah and there there is an, another way i don't think we're supposed to understand yet but they are saying something about with this and the Crookshanks and the the Mr. Phillips, so there there is yeah. something about the inherent worth of like copies of things or, mm-hmm. you know, trying to clone something to. I they're, they're they're trying to say something there that's that's interesting, like the fact that like, Bien isn't going to be her mother. How could she possibly? Even if you flutter through her memory, she's also had her own memories. Like it's like uh, this recursion failure where it's like. Yes, she's going to have these memories of an old woman dying of, I don't know, some kind of cancer or whatever, but she's also going to have the memories of being a young woman raised by her daughter mm-hmm. and like all the, and, and being hooked up to machines. Like there's like, like you, you can't do the thing that lady true is trying to do is what I think they're trying to say. Yeah. Because there's no, no such thing as an identical person uh, that lives an identical life. I think that's what they're trying to get at anyway. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what, what they're really doing with Bian because like, okay, she's a clone of her mother. She's also super intelligent mm-hmm. and like clearly they make the point, right? Angela says, oh, my kid is nowhere near what the level of your shit. Mm-hmm. So like, what what are they, what are they doing here? Because I don't think uh, Liddy True's mother necessarily was super intelligent. 
there's a lot of theories floating around that she's the the daughter of Adrian Veidt, mm-hmm. which would potentially make her super intelligent. Mm-hmm. But would a clone of her mother be super intelligent? Well, I know this or is... Or is this a nurture thing? That's where nature? I was getting at. But like... all of the things that they talk about so heavily with the memory stuff is about nature, right? Mm-hmm. Not nurture. So, like, they're sort of sending mixed messages, perhaps. Well, maybe she's doing both. Like, it's yeah. this is like some kind of mimetic uh, eugenics project where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, my mother raised me in this elephant mom situation, and I was created from like you know the, the the DNA of Adrian Veidt and my mother, and then I was raised in this way. And look at me, I'm a genius, and I bought MIT at the age of twenty, and all these other ridiculous things. What if I keep iterating this, and I clone my mother, and I raise her, and then like you just keep doing that, like you know, it, it's 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 a it would be a huge advantage for that person to keep taking the the obvious dot obvious uh huge advantage they have over other human beings and continue to compound that you know mm-hmm. like hoarding intelligence and uh, i don't know upbringing uh, as well as wealth right this, this dynasty yeah of of intelligence yeah yeah hmm. uh and then one of the more pertinent questions i think that bian asks angela is if you don't want your kids to know you're a cop why why are you one um and, yeah, it, and it forces Angela to sort of that in the speech that uh, Lady True gives after this, yeah. sort of force her to reckon with the anger that she's been feeling from a young age and maybe has not really understood. And I think she's starting to. Sure. All right, let's move on. Day 365 of the trial of Ozymandias. It's been a full year. The prosecutor delivers her closing statement, which is extremely eloquent, I have to say. Uh, Ozzy, who has said nothing for the entire year, stands to deliver his closing remarks, lets out an enormous fart, and then rests his case, and the judge swaps the jury for pigs and declares him guilty. I mean, I this this and this is this is this is a farce in every sense uh-huh. of the word. The fact that like can you imagine what three hundred and sixty five days of this looked like? I mean and- the trial itself is a farce right and like i said let's just imagine 365 days of this imagine uh-huh. every day that the judge sits and says okay let's get this over with and 365 days later it's happened and imagine the switching of the, the the prosecutor has this damning speech about like you know this guy is viciously murders us and not just us he killed three million people like makes this devastating case that this guy's uh insane and then she sits down she winks at him and then she like whispers like in a kind of a playful sexy way master at him when she gets up it's like Everything about this is fucking weird and crazy. And then it builds up yeah. to the fart, which I will say I called like five seconds before it happened. You did. Yeah. Jo- jokingly, you were like, oh, no, he's fart. I was actually dead serious that that's what were was going to happen. Yeah. I was dead serious. And it had, it's like, it was an out of body experience I had. Um, wow. And then that happens and he starts weeping. Why yeah. did he, why does he weep? I think he's never quite had his face rubbed in the decision really? he made so you think this 30 is, years ago. You th- I think this is genuine. Interesting. I think this is the only damn genuine thing that's happening on screen during this entire farce. Uh, the other stuff is all a sham for something. And it appears like See, the prosecutor is in on this with him. Yeah. See, at first I thought he was just bored. Like, he's like, I just, I'm, I'm trapped. Like, I... 
Well, maybe this. So maybe these kind of go together. My first inclination is that he is just like weeping because this is a super intelligent person surrounded by all this performative craziness by some kind of clone morons, and he just can't take it. But I also think it's been a year since he successfully got the call for help out, mm-hmm. and no one has showed up. Like that was a personalized message. Save me something. Save me. Like whether mm-hmm. you think it saved me, daughter. Save me, doc. Save me, dickwad. Whatever it is. He that that was that was a message that he, no, he 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 succeeded. He got it out, and then it's been a year and nothing has happened. I I wonder if there's like a little bit of despair setting in. That like could be. I'm never going to. I'm going to be brought to justice, whatever the hell that means by this court, whatever the hell that is going to be, and. Mm-hmm my you know my brilliant life of is, is going to come to an end i the idea that he'd have genuine remorse over these people just shouting guilty at him maybe that's maybe that's happening too i think it's more of like i mean he's, he's been sitting here for a year being confronted with the three million deaths that uh-huh, he caused uh-huh. in order to preserve a peace that never came about right like, that's that's the thing, and I, I don't know how much of this he knows, right? Does he mm-hmm. have any lifeline, any feed? Yeah, that's like an interesting question. Any window into what's going on on Earth? Because if he does, I could see him being very sad that his plan has not worked, mm-hmm. and that in fact, you know, things are probably just as bad, if not worse, than they ever were. Um, so yeah, sitting there for a year, people recounting your stupidest decision mm-hmm. of your entire life as the world's smartest man, mm-hmm. you could probably get pretty depressed about that too and feel a lot of regret and i don't know i so i'm trying to read into the wink the master and understand like okay what are we dealing with here are we dealing with a trial that is going to have some consequence um that that everyone is against him and he's forced to sit here and deal with it or are we dealing with a master plan here by ozymandias who has control over this entire situation and is just waiting for the plan to go off. And I can't tell the difference. Well, so let's get, can we get to the next scene a little bit? Because okay. yeah. the, this transitions to Ozymandias once again, standing as a statue, oh, which is right. the second time this has happened. Mm-hmm. And he's being found guilty in this scene. And we know that lady true bought a farm to collect something crash landing from space, which we thought, Oh, maybe that's, Vite. And and we this next conversation is all about her revealing that Bien's a clone of her mother, um, and that she's doing this because she wants her parents there. And Angela and says, father. Is her dad? Is he there? And he goes, No, but he will be. Right. Like, is this literally going to be her unfro and freezing him from carbonite or whatever the Europa version is, and there he's gonna be? Could be. That it's looking more likely. That now. seemed very. All these things seem yeah. very silly at the outset, but now that you know Cal's Doctor Manhattan, I'm evaluating these, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that actually, this stuff actually would track. Um, but it's not that Lady True saved him. It's just that the the Crookshanks and the Wardens and the Phillips of the of, of the Europa just kicked him out. Yeah, I, I mean the the timeline doesn't doesn't quite line up if you, if you look at the pd files mm. um i think dr manhattan became cal like 10 years ago yes almost to the day right and we know what well, we think the ozymandias thing is happening seven years prior like he was in prison seven years prior to 2019 How so it... dr manhattan wouldn't really have been able to imprison him if he turned into cal three years before 
well, it could be that Dr. Manhattan created this life on Europa just to do it, like to put an Adam and Eve in a Garden of Eden and then got waylaid by the Abar plot mm-hmm. uh, or just, you know, just left him there and, and got 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 hooked up with Angela and then forgot he was Dr. Manhattan. And then but Lady True dropped him off. Yeah, like Lady True used him. that existing facility to imprison him there. Yeah, the the, the term I, imprison is is slightly incorrect, right? Because he clearly wanted to go there. Did he? He thought it would be a, a paradise. Well, he said right? I thought it was when I first arrived. I don't know that I don't know if that means that he wanted a prison to prison would never be a paradise to anyone. Well, certainly like, not to anyone as smart as Adrian Veidt, right? Like yeah regardless of how pleasant your prison is it's still a prison but like if he just got snatched out of the middle of his daily routine and woke up in this place like i could see open your eyes and think oh my god i'm in a paradise and then realize the true horror of your situation Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm just yeah it's yeah who knows who knows it's it's impossible to know it it is unless you're working on a leak from may of 2019 (laughs) right (laughs) yeah i I don't know it's interesting i'm I'm looking forward to seeing how all of this ties back in. Uh, they got two episodes to do it. Mm-hmm. I know they have to address it. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, we can just end the... the. Uh, well, that's not actually true. Ozymandias could be sort of the, the uh, Black Freighter plot, and it never ties in, but Lindelof said it would. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. And even uh, the Black Freighter plot absolutely tied in. It wasn't necessary. Thematically. But thema- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, was, it never intersected gotcha. plot-wise with the, the comics. Um, okay, so Lori wakes up in front of the 7K teleporter, and Keen shows up to tell her that racists aren't actually racist. Come on, Lori. Uh, and then he's planning on turning himself into Dr. Manhattan. I mean... That's the thing is every time I talk about like racism and the rise of fascism in the the Western world, I always get a bunch of emails, probably from fascists, saying mm-hmm. these people don't exist. When you can damn well go on YouTube and see them having millions and millions of views yeah. saying this exact shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not a racist. I just think it's hard to be a white guy in America. Hard to right be a now. white guy in America. Uh-huh. Things have gone too far. To, we've forgotten our original values. We're like it's like get the fuck out of here. Um, as much as I think the the message is enormously stupid yeah and and uh despicable uh-huh. i also think they couldn't have picked a better actor sure to be the yeah. whitest motherfucker yeah. alive Bob, i mean James we probably made Wolk. this joke on Mad Men. like his face yeah. is is literally a bowl of yogurt it's so good he's great on uh, the, the the not the fun yogurt with like strawberries or chocolate in it just just, <laughs> just fucking plain, plain. Not, not even vanilla yogurt nah nah no. the, the shit that jamie lee curtis is eating to make her shit smooth or whatever <laughs> that's the kind of to make yogurt. her just shit yogurt yeah yeah that's the kind that we're dealing here with bob benson no knock on the guy he's just he's just a default no. setting for white guy yeah he's got that face yeah uh and he uses it to great effect uh-huh. in this episode and and previous ones loved him on mad Men. he's doing yeah. awesome uh, but but he's definitely you know yeah he's, he's cast for a reason sure uh so there is there, there are a couple of pieces of technology going on here right mm-hmm. some kind of 7k thing to capture dr manhattan but also there are teleporters and i think we can't lose sight of the teleporters and there are box lady there are true enterprises or industries boxes everywhere yeah important because yeah. we'll talk about that pretty soon mm-hmm. um what do you think their plan for the teleporters are? Try and gain access to the clock? Try and, like, do they have a counter plan to Lady True's counter plan for their plan? I have no clue. 
because I think Lady True is playing both sides yeah. um, to her own end, yeah. but I don't know to the extent, like I don't think Will suspects that, or if he does suspect it, then then he thinks that like her double dealing on the seventh cavalry is going to be more harmful to them than, than his side. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know if the seventh cavalry have, have stolen this technology um, or if From they've Lady stolen True, yeah. the technology where like Lady True, you know, did she, is it stolen the same way did that like Bruce Wayne stole his, his own shit in the first Batman movie or like, was she, did they steal it without her? No, you know, I, I don't know. Do they know that they stole it? Right. Or do they think they stole it when she actually just sort of gave it to or them? Or did she just yeah. give it to them and she's she's do, double dealing? I, right. I don't I don't know. It's and I think it's I think it's impossible to know unless you're you got the leaks from from May mainlined. Um, but yeah, like, those no. are definitely things you're supposed to notice for sure. They are. I noticed them and I'm eagerly looking forward to the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's everything in that scene. Let's move on to Lady True delivering a speech to her employees about why nostalgia failed. And also why she built the clock, uh, though she doesn't say what it does yet. Um, Angela doesn't like what she hears, so she follows her arm tubes to the room, and the she breaks in, discovering that she's hooked up to an elephant. And she pulls the tubes from her arms and flashes back to her childhood or Will's past. It's hard to tell where one ends and the other begins. Uh, what do you think of this episode or this scene rather? Um, I. There's a lot of great stuff uh, here. The elephant's weird, of course. Um, but, the, you know, the, we, we talk about Lady True's dialogue about how she created nostalgia to help people, you know, kind, kind of like that, that Black Mirror episode where you've got the ability to rewind and view your life. It's like, that'd be an incredible superpower to like, oh, you know, did I really come across as an asshole in that conversation? And you can like, but but she's found that people would just fixate on their painful memories. And this is, you know, uh, I mean, this is literally what a lot of people try to tell minorities like, oh, you're, you know, if you, you're afraid that if you have to give up this victim bullshit, then you might actually have to, like, make something of yourself in the real world. And right, it's very, which... very dismissive. It's very not taking a person's actual pain and life experiences uh, mm-hmm. uh, seriously. And the only question I have is, uh, does Lady True know that this is bullshit or is this stuff that she's actually bought into? Um, I, it feels like she's bought into it. Um, because then that means that what we we, we speculated the empathy bomb yeah. is not what she's doing, and she's almost shaping up to become a villain. I mean, an, an oh, Adri- Adrian Veidt sure. esque villain, right? Like we, yeah. she proclaims to be the savior. Perhaps uh, she thinks she is, but she may not be. Yeah, no, I think she's she's uh, criminally insane. Is yeah. what, what what the the term they throw and you can the see is. that in a lot of the cinematography, which I think is really good. This episode, like when uh-huh. Angela ends up in that globe room, and you can. The, the conversation they have, Angela is bathed in this light and Lady True is standing in the doorway in almost complete darkness. Right. Like, the, the, it's it's very, like, intuitive right. the way that they're trying to frame Lady True in this episode. Yeah. Um, Angela says, what the fuck? Every episode or at least every other episode? Yeah. What do you think about yeah. this? I mean, so, so do I. So there's, so like, there's, well, but here's the thing. There's some commentary that I've, that, that's been stuck in my mind um, over the last few hours where people are like, why is she so what the fuck when she's literally married to incognito Dr. Manhattan? 
Like, wouldn't Wait, that? So it's it's kind of like when yeah, Harry Potter comes in. Nothing can be weird now for you. It's in like life? it's like when Harry Potter comes into the fourth Harry Potter film, still amazed at like, oh fuck, you can wave a, a wand around and two buildings split open. There's another building. Oh my god, I live in a world of fucking magic. Like Angela's fucking as stealth Doctor Manhattan on the regular, but she thinks like random, uh, you know, like crashing. I don't think that one strange thing happening in your life precludes you ever getting weirded out by other things. So like if you Especially when they're completely unrelated. Beat the death of werewolf and 5 years later you come across a vampire, you're as amazed as you were when you beat the werewolf to death? No, but if you if you found out that like there were brain altering drugs that had to be siphoned from you through an elephant, <laughs> yeah, it's an entirely different fucking thing. It's not like, oh, I found a Frankenstein, now I found a werewolf. Yeah, we're going to have were elephants. It's going to be half half abar, <laughs> half half elephant. Yeah, I, I don't think one weird thing happening to you means you can't ever get weirded out. Is there a is there a, is there an elephant cartoon elephant called Buzz Dumbo. Baybar? Babar, yeah. Abar Baybar. <laughs> I think you just broke the internet's mind right now. I think I just broke my own mind. <laughs> uh, and, and it's also Angela's ex. Yeah, X and Bar. They live in California. I want to see C Bar. D Bar is Doctor e Manhattan. <laughs> well, the next episode is called like what is it called? Like a god walks into a bar. I'm telling you, there's they're, they're that's that is that too cute? Perfect cute? Half two. cute? Two? Too stupid? Yeah. All right. Uh. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of too cute stuff here. But do we get we to the flashback? Because the flashback is, I think, the best thing. Uh, of okay, her meeting her her, uh, uh, her grandmother June is like the best thing in this episode. Okay, yeah, let's get there. Um, so, yeah, this is the flashback. An older June visits Angela in the orphanage. June recounts <laughs> in extreme detail how this conversation came to pass after mm -hmm. her son's death. Uh, follows the exact chain of events. But I think that needed to happen because there's a lot of questions about how how where why you know this this all happened and and i thought it's exposition it's a little weird to be explaining to this child exactly why? how the, i came to be in your presence at this moment if you didn't even know you had a grandma and she came mm -hmm. to whisk you away from an orphanage like i i think those are you can walk up to a child and say i'm your grandma and uh -huh. they believe you you think so yeah absolutely hmm. a stranger absolutely mm -hmm. that kids are pretty stupid yeah kids are real dumb uh, all right, Angela shows her the badge and the Sister Night VHS, and June invites Angela back to Tulsa to watch it with her. And they pack up their luggage into a cab. Unfortunately, Jean, or June keels over dead, likely from a heart attack. God damn. Or, or likely dead, probably from a heart attack. Probably from a heart attack. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, late onset Dr. Manhattan cancer. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I thought this was great. I thought... Um, it's so painful to watch June strap Angela in and she's so happy that someone's here finally taken care of and there's this huge you know, contrast between how shitty things were in this like mm -hmm. orphan Annie Vietnam orphanage versus how like caring and loving and the kind of real and down the earth of grandma. Grandma says fuck. Grandma's yeah. gonna let her watch Sister Night. No yeah. problem. She if grandma named that movie, it'd just be called Motherfucking Gun. Yeah, be, yeah, none of the fucking motherfucking gun. Yeah. I, I, and then when she collapses um, cause we still don't know the whole story of Angela. And I kind of was like, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well now she's going to come back to America and blah, blah, blah. apparently she's going to be stuck in, in Vietnam for a long time. Probably. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the trauma is just mounting. Yeah. 
Holy shit. At a young age to process mm-hmm. all this shit. Yeah, I, I'm amazed that she's as okay as she seems to be during all these scenes. Yeah. Because the it's just some really awful shit is happening there. Well, that's the other thing about kids is like, you know, that's what's so, so heartbreaking. It's like you see kids like playing soccer in the middle of a fucking crater in a war zone because mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's all fucked up, but they're still kids and they process it like kids. But right. uh, the other thing I really liked is, you know, in this big kind of crazy pan of uh, around Angela, she's processing all this. They're in the background. There's this big Dr. Manhattan mural that the uh, you know Vietnamese separatist have emailed or emailed have defaced with like you know put like his hands are covered in blood and he's got devil horns and it's spray painted murderer over him. I thought yeah, it's it's graffiti, which I think is interesting with the pedophile stuff mm. that we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. There's there's some stuff to talk about there, okay. uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's a really well constructed scene for the most part. Uh, this is some of my favorite stuff in the episode. I like sort of the double meaning of of we're going to Tulsa where we're from like our home yeah um it's it's not just you know they're going home but sort of that that ingrained memory that like that that feeling of who you are mm-hmm. and then the generational memory like i was talking about earlier all of that is kind of encompassed in that statement and it it just feels right mm-hmm. um after last episode but yeah, and then it's super sad when she dies and none of that happens. And the memory of her losing her grandma with the mem- joined memory of uh, her her grandfather Will hugging her goodbye, losing yeah. her, and like I man, so just intuitively knowing who all these people are. It's f- fuck, it's fucking real, real good, real strong stuff. Yeah. All right, Angela wakes up again and she tries to escape Lady True's compound, and she stumbles into Lady True's version of Cerebro. I'm gonna call it which shows her messages collected from the uh, Dr. Manhattan booths all over the globe. Uh, Lady True shows up and says the Dr. Manhattan can't hear the prayers because he's in Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma, pretending to be a human. She also says that Will needed her help to stop the 7K from killing Dr. Manhattan and becoming him. And that's why she's doing the stuff she's doing, which I don't buy because... Man, she's bathed in darkness in this scene. Mm-hmm. Seems ominous. I want to, because like I, it, it's it. Uh, I know for a fact that everybody listens to instant cast, it listens to the full cast, just judging by the audience size. And I want to okay. reiterate that I think it would be a very cool idea for the Seventh Cavalry to succeed in elevating one of them to godhood. But as soon as they do, they immediately lose interest in the racist bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because like like a, a, a being as smart and capable of Doctor Manhattan. Um, like, like there's this line in, in the comic where you know, Adrian Veidt tries to kill Dr. Manhattan. He rips him apart with an intrinsic field mm-hmm. and like, you know, he starts speechifying and like less than a minute later, you know, 300 foot tall Dr. Manhattan smashes his dome and grabs him. And it's like, you, it, he essentially says, yeah, you're the world's smartest man, but that means about as much to me as the world's smartest termite means to you. Mm-hmm. And, like, when you're that far above the human existence, like, looking down at, like, all the different variations of people, it's kind of like, you know, it, it's like... Uh, it just seems so silly. Yeah. If you're an amoeba, a film of water on a surface is an ocean. But if you're a person, it's just a, it's just fog, you know? And I, I think it'd be... I mean, three be, seconds it, in... I want to see Joe Keen become Dr. Manhattan and just, like, nah, this is all stupid and, like, explode all the 7th Cavalry and go fuck uh, see, off the I Europa. Think he, to, oh, I think he's more likely to say, this is all stupid and just leave. Yeah. Like Dr. Manhattan did yeah, in the first place. Yeah, like, why would I, like, I, so, okay, we want to yeah, be just, more than a president. I don't even care about this shit anymore. Right. Yeah. Your president is nothing to me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Could happen. I, I'm also interested in alternative possibilities here because we we've talked a long time about this empathy bomb mm -hmm. and how like the television sets the Lady True passed out to the people in Oklahoma could be part of that plan. Yes. I still think there's something to it that it's part of the plan, but now the plan is turning sinister in my mind. Could it be that she's waiting for the 7K to use their tech to capture Dr. Manhattan and then she's got some sort of area of effect TV clock related thing that's going to either capture Dr. Manhattan for her own purposes or turn her into Dr. Manhattan. Uh, I mean, I, I, it still feels like with the what we learned about the projection technology, it's going to be some kind of mass mind control. That seems like that way that technology is more used. I'm just trying to put the existing mechanics. But that with seems like a smokescreen because like. I think, well, yeah, but I think there's going to be something with the clock that also is going to be combined with mind controlling everyone with an X amount of radius of Tulsa that mm -hmm. like to do well, something. Well, I was thinking like the, the what what kind of particle suppression field did they use on Tachyonic. Dr. Manhattan? Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if they could have those devices and she knows Dr. Manhattan's in Oklahoma could she be setting up a scenario in which she can actually kill Dr. Manhattan? Hmm. Maybe. Using the 7K tech to become Dr. Manhattan. I but don't But it's kind of her own tech. I. Yeah. Have you heard of a device called a tachyonic anti-telephone? That sounds weird. No. So what is that? this was a thought experiment that Einstein and his scientist buddies kicked around in the early 20th century where they conceived of a particle that does not exist so far in science called a tachyon. It's a okay. it's a particle that intrinsically uh, travels faster than light. Well, yeah, I also think it opens uh, space-time holes that the Enterprise can sure, go through. Sure, yeah, I mean, that's exactly yeah. why the, you always hear about tachyon fields, because it's this, right. it's this postulated uh, particle that can move faster than light. Mm. And what you, the, the, what they decided it couldn't happen, because if it did, you could build a telephone, and you could send a faster-than-light signal, and it would arrive at its destination before you made the phone call, and you could essentially communicate information backwards through time. Mm -hmm. What if these Dr. Manhattan phone booths are tachyonic anti-telephones sending messages? So these people pray, say, send these prayers and supplications and their problems, and Lady True uses that as a way to predict the future. And she knows she has to build this device at this certain time because she's heard from the telephones people saying, oh, my God, the 7th Cavalry have taken over. Like, it's a way for her to keep one step ahead of the competition. Um. But it, it's kind of like, because it would, okay. if you have these all over the world, anything that happens in any part of the world that would stress people out or make people angry, just anything, they're going to tell Dr. Manhattan, and then she'll know about it in advance because these tachyons travel back faster than, than I mean, light and backwards in time. Yeah, there's clearly some sort of predictive capabilities that Lady True has. She knows, I think, yeah. that something is going to land on that farm, which is why she buys it out. Yeah. Uh, but there's a really interesting Wikipedia article. Uh, it's just tachyonic anti-telephone, and it's spelled exactly how you you think about uh think it would uh that's got like a whole bunch of like math and Are th is it so i i clearly i've never even heard of this mm -hmm. uh potential technology um is is it something where it would have to be significant multipliers of the speed of light in order to go back in time well far enough it just to be depends useful, because like so or... example like in a real telephone you pick up the line you call somebody they're getting the message like a fraction of a second after you actually gave it sure so, like, if you um, had this tachyonic thing that ran from, you know, New York to 
San Francisco, mm-hmm. you might get a message like a fraction of a second before. But if you routed that signal like through some some kind of Martian Martian subspace relay back to Earth through her fifty Voyager style probes, and she's got all yeah. these probes that are that are that are have these fusion drives that have been sent out for like what twenty? You know, they've been moving away from Earth like maybe they're just that's building her capability to look further and further ahead in the future as she Mm -hmm. increases the 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 delay well it'd be the anti-delay in communication the acceleration to communication yeah i don't know there's pretty interesting stuff yeah hmm we'll see two more episodes Mm -hmm. (laughs) does watchman have merely bad user interfaces or the worst user interfaces what what, what's the example here the globe the globe the the ancestry (laughs) uh i don't know in a world that never got truly awful in in a world that never got the internet and like didn't have a reason to obsessively that fucking fuck up 1970s magnavox Uh remote control that she had for a trap door was a better (laughs) user interface than this fucking globe yeah the amount of information you need to access through this thing and the amount of interaction you have with it yeah. is I mean, here's completely the thing. absurd. I it's I think that you're supposed to understand that all of this is kind of a put on for Angela. Like she is supposed to fall the tube under the Does door. Does Angela speak Spanish? The fact that that door lock could be smashed with a rock and it opens. Mm-hmm. Um the fact that like you 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 know is this a thermodynamic miracle that the the third thing she touches is Lori's confession or prayer or joke uh stand up routine to Dr. Manhattan or is this all something that Lady True has organized mm-hmm. to put Angela in this position i mean that's the other thing is like i keep on going recursing is like is she intend angela to go home and foil this and, attack and present or, Dr. Manhattan. Right. Cause that's the thing uh, when Dr. Manhattan would talk about when Dr. Manhattan would talk about his, the way he experiences time. Um, it felt like he never could like change the future, you know, like he experiences all mm-hmm. possible, like, like his, his, his future and he sees it and it's something he can't change. So it's entirely possible in the Joe Rogan sense of the word that Lady True has used some kind of device like this tachyonic anti-telephone to set in motion things that have to happen a certain way as crazy as it looks to us. Like maybe the only way she can capture Manhattan or utilize a Manhattan or save Dr. Manhattan is for this sequence of events to happen. Yeah, I mean, I can buy that she would be a pawn designed to reveal Dr. Manhattan if Lady True didn't know. Mm-hmm actually who dr manhattan was mm-hmm. um just knew that he was in the vicinity uh i don't know there yeah there's a lot of ways it could make sense still it's a strange device mm-hmm. um let's move on to angela plowing her car through red's car in order to leave lady true's compound and then she goes home tells cal she loves him and then kills him with a hammer removing an item from his skull and releasing dr manhattan also important to note the 7K are outside her house with some device and truck. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that is very important to know. Um, also, I listened to the full version of Trent Reznor's uh, remix of Life on Mars. Yeah, really tasty. It's a great remix. Yeah. It's 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 really good uh, ambient music. It's really good uh, music too. I was listening to it a lot when I was compiling it to feedback. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, her uh, once once she bashes this thing and retrieves the Dr. Manhattan logo out of his brain. Uh, she says, hey, baby, we're in, we're in fucking trouble. 
and presumably ask him to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's speculated that this ring is some kind of tachyon generator, um, which we know. So I think Dr. Manhattan could build a body so well designed that he himself wouldn't know it's in it. Like, so he creates his body, puts himself in it, puts a tachyon ring into his brain, which instantly disables his ability to look backwards into his past and forward into his future. Mm-hmm. And now he's just a dude. Right. And he, with this, the story of him having an accident and it's, it's, it, it's brilliantly set up to where Angela can build whatever life that she and him wanted or way worked out together. I, I think it's a cool idea. And then if you pull that out, then it's not like Manhattan has to catch up. He instantly knows everything that's happened to him and everything that will happen, which that's going to be the interesting point um, because there does he like, I'm, I'm trying to remember in the originals, if he, cause he gets surprised by Vite, uh-huh. who's already launched his plan like 35 minutes before that or whatever. Right. Is he able to see Vite having done that after the Tachyon field? I presume because I was or... I was assumed as soon as he got in in his present, as soon as he his actual existence went past the point where the Tachyons are interfering, then he huh, would I be assume able the to... opposite. Really? The, the that would just it's be like a blank a lead spot. Sheet. Yeah. So let me ask you this: and so then Do- it's always there. It's just something he he never has access to. Can he no he longer remember present. his? Can he no longer remember his past if he gets that point? Is like his past locked off to him? No, no, no. Huh. Just I I view it as like holes in his memory, but I have nothing to really go on there. Huh. Yeah, I don't know because it's it's interesting because like the way Manhattan always explained it is like he was trying to he's doing the thing that he has to do and in the future yeah. there's a big tachyon cloud maybe it's from he, you know he's not sure why but it could be caused by a nuclear war and he's trying but because it's because time doesn't mean anything to him right so yeah, like that's once also, something happens isn't a thing like that's also it's weird just there always that he must consciously know that there's nothing he can do to stop the tachyon field right. And he thinks the most common, well, but I guess there, that's the, the thing. He doesn't know that it's a nuclear war. If it's a nuclear war, yeah. then he's just pissing up a rope and there's no way to save. But if it's not, if it's something else, uh, then then he keeps working because maybe that's the thing that he has to do. To It honestly makes my head hurt thinking about an entity who yeah, is you, like, you know, like those <laughs> six dimensional beings from Interstellar, like what that right. existence looks like. And it's also a noodle bender to think that like um, us, like, like a... Um, you know what a third dimensional being would look like or two dimensional being and mm-hmm. and you know the idea that like i can only move in an xy coordinate and then oh you can move in z holy shit like yeah and when you apply that to dimensions that we can't even really right. comprehend right. uh as being a thing like time is about as far as we get yeah yeah but we can't if there's we, something else out there we wouldn't know yeah. that it's even a thing let yeah. alone how to Manipulate. We're drifting in one direction through this dimension that we can perceive, but we can't alter or right. in, in any way. Um, and it doesn't seem like Doctor Manhattan can alter it either, yeah. but he perceives it very differently. And then there's points where he can't, you know, you get these tachyon fields and he can't, so it's kind of like a mystery to him too. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting, and I I'm I'm curious to see because like it. On the one hand, now that he's Dr. Manhattan, he's almost invulnerable. Right. But on the other hand, uh, you know, it could be that he's fucked and there's nothing he can do mm-hmm. about it. And that would be interesting, interesting concept, too. It's like, well, I already know that this is going to succeed and they kill me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> he's got to know the extents of his memory, too, right? And, yeah. and I don't even know that calling it a memory is the right thing to call it. But mm-hmm. his his view of time... If it ends somewhere, he can assume that that's his death, right? Mm-hmm. 
I suppose. If there's yeah. nothing that's, I don't even want to say past that. Yeah. And but I just, if there's I, nothing else, yeah. How do you kill Doctor Manhattan? I don't. I, I I can't even fathom what it would take. Is there also the possibility that the Seven K has a tachyon device of their own, and that even though he is now back in Doctor mm-hmm. Manhattan form, he's going to be unable to see the events that are about to occur? It's possible. Because I was thinking, like, okay, here's another thought experiment. Let's say that Angela. Because how how do you kill Doctor Manhattan if he knows you're coming for him? Well, Unless he wants you to. Well, that's what. So, so try this on for size. Mm-hmm. Angela uh, lives, gets killed in a car accident at some point. And at this point, Cal still doesn't know he's Dr. Manhattan. Does Cal live a natural life and die? And then does he get buried? And then that tachyon thing is still in as this body. And like at some point when that body disintegrates to dust and the tachyon thing, does, does Dr. Manhattan spontaneously regenerate in a coffin like a hundred years? Like, right. What, what would happen if, yeah, or maybe he just, he just dies as a normal mortal man and that's it. I I don't know. I I was thinking about like how all this stuff does fit together. And there's tons of people. I guess he would know when he put, when he created the device to be put into Cal, he would know. Yeah even at that point when it would come out if ever and i assume he wouldn't well it choose is that the wrong word he he wouldn't do it if that were going to be his demise uh-huh. unless he just doesn't care on like some cosmic level i'm really C- curious he because he would know right he would he would already yeah. have a view into when this device would come out yeah he knows that this moment is going to happen because he can see it if it but involves a tachyon in his brain i don't know but but he knows that there's something beyond the tachyon in his brain, right? He, he, Angela pulls it out, and suddenly. But he didn't in the movie. He couldn't see past the tachyon cloud that was, you know, obscuring his oh, vision. Oh, see, I read that as as being only while the tachyon thing was active. So once it turned, okay, and that he could see everything in the future past that, just not when when he says I can't see beyond it. I but then why I would he, he think it's like, nuclear war? He should see a squid in New York. He should see three million people died and psychically he wouldn't think like, oh, maybe it's a nuclear yeah, war. No, that's a good point. So like I think it's like a one of those things where it's like it's like okay. literally interference. And if it's in his brain, like uh the second it goes in, like he has no idea what's gonna happen until it comes out. But could how he, that plays could, with a mortal he, frame and hmm. I don't know. It's just some interesting thought experience. It's but I that doesn't I, make any sense in the the stream of time that he's in, yeah. right? Because like if you can see if he can see all of his past and he yeah. experiences it as if it's now, uh-huh. it's just a thing. Yeah. Uh, it's just his life. And then he gets beyond whatever tachyon thing happens with Vite, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he would definitely have the ability again to see all of his future and his past as one thing. Yeah. If, if he, that's what it, it that's, doesn't take that away from him. So now uh-huh. how can he say that he couldn't see beyond the tachyon thing if we know that in the future he's going to be able to see beyond the tachyon event i the only thing i can say is like i it's, it's what he says okay. himself which yeah. is he I, I apologize to everyone this sucks uh <laughs> i don't know maybe it doesn't i find hey, it fascinating Th- can, these can I concepts this? are interesting to there me. was like a thread or two starting to explore this under i i think the watchman subreddit has entirely been taken over by shitposting 
Uh, for a good portion of it, yeah. And and Th like that happens to every Reddit. Yeah, but like I think it's time for maybe to split some of that stuff into like Watchmen slash shit posting or something because it's just go too to much. That? Like, huh? Who's gonna go to that one? The people, I mean, because like, like it's, guys, it's like legit funny. Post. It's legit funny, but there's like seven different image macros of yeah. Lube Man being Doctor yeah. Manhattan, Lube Man being Cal. Dude, Lube somebody Man. did a cover. Uh -huh. Some cover art of Lube Man on a Watchmen edition, and it was beautiful. Yeah, no, I saw that too. Oh, I fucking love it. I don't. It. I, 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 whoever I, you are, you're a genius. I like, like, keep that shit to Twitter. Can we, can we talk some serious shit, or like, you know, I, I don't know. Ha have some kind of like mega thread roundup of all the cool theories being discussed because I found it very. Tr it's like you just you just have to go past so much shit posting to get to the good stuff. It was annoying yeah. to me as a podcast. Maybe at some point we can do a deep dive on Doctor Manhattan because mm. I find the concept of Doctor Manhattan as presented sure. in the comics ludicrous. Yeah, wasn't uh, our Watchmen podcast like three hours long and probably ninety minutes yeah. of it was us talking about Doctor Manhattan? It's, uh, in, yeah. it's inherently fascinating topic. This one's three hours long. Let's yes. get through it. Uh, that was the final scene. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, why would Doctor Manhattan want to be with Angela? Well, that it feels like the next How episode. How do they meet? That's How what's do they crazy. Fall in love? All of these are the pertinent questions. So much things have to happen, and it feels like next week's episode is going to entirely be another flashback to how Angela and Doctor Manhattan met. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's just like five, like a five-minute cold open, but uh, I don't know. We we will definitely find out in the two weeks ahead. How uh, do the Seventh Cavalry know who Doctor Manhattan is? That I have, I have so many questions. She's got to be. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, to what extent are they working with Lady True? Mm -hmm. um, do you want? Because I compiled a bullet list of all the uh, evidence that Cal is Doctor Manhattan before we got there. Would you? Would you care to hear all these? Sure, let's do it. I feel like you probably already know them, but like yeah, probably not a lot of people playing at home don't. Mm -hmm. First up, his name Cal, short for Calvin, but also colloquially what a lot of Superman's friends call him in the comic books because it's short for Kal El. Mm -hmm. You know, Batman calls him Cal, Wonder Woman Cal, his friends, the Aquamans. Uh, the blue dildo is called Excalibur because it's Lori's ex, Cal Abar. Mm -hmm. Does fucking Dan? Does Night Owl know about this shit or? Is it just Excalibur, a sword, and it just happens to It's a work. really good name for a giant dildo. Yeah, no, I that's mean, what I'm saying. But it's also Lori's ex, who is Calabar. Yeah. Uh, a nun is in is is considered to be a bride wed to Jesus Christ, who is a man who's ascended to godhood, and Sister Knight is literally married to a man ascended to godhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is all so this is all the too cute stuff. That Excalibur thing mm -hmm. is an impossibility as far as naming goes to not just be a cute thing that writers throw into a script. Yes. So like that's where I'm I'm all about like oh I, this is too fucking cute. I mean I I I hint I, I I you don't want to argue about it and I I, yeah, I, yeah. I we'll just move on. Uh, Will suggesting that maybe Manhattan's walking around Earth pretending to be a human because he knew that mm -hmm. uh cal's views on afterlife he's kind of like you know very like well you know you're dead you're dead and that's it um, that's that's thin because i hold a lot of his same fucking views <laughs> and I, I will tell you right now unless i got a ring in my head i'm not dr manhattan true but it's just like you know you, you don't have a blue dildo named after you is all i'm saying you don't uh, not that you know of Lori has this weird chemistry with cal she's always mentioned how hot she is she directly compares him to dr manhattan when angela sir observes that dr manhattan must have been something and she says well he's no cal um it also might explain why angela got almost irrationally upset upset at the idea that uh Lori would call on him alone without her being there without telling her hmm. like oh my god she's a fucking bitch is back Back snoof, sniffing around. Yeah. Um, 
it also uh, and like I said, the the other thing is this this Reddit post from like 18 days ago where a person got a like a three frame image from the weeks ahead trailer, zoomed in on the man's knuckles, mm-hmm. then found a whole bunch of like this guy's press photo and stock photos of this guy, zoomed in on his hands and conclusively identified from his unique middle finger knuckle imprints that he's Doctor Manhattan, mm-hmm. which that's where like. Yeah, yeah, uh, but that's all I had for the the, okay. the proof, the hints, the Easter eggs that he was Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, in retrospect, there's plenty of stuff there. It's just real thin. Mm-hmm. There's a couple parodies of that. It's like we should have like someone took a picture of Cal's ass from like was it episode one or two, and then against Doctor Manhattan's uh-huh. ass, and they both yeah. have really nice asses from the movie. <laughs> uh, and there, there was like something like we should have known all along from the ass. Right um, now. I don't know if this is interesting or something we should talk about next week, but it appears that in all these situations where he's like, you know, seducing uh, Angela, that he's going to be Cal as Dr. Manhattan wearing a Dr. Manhattan mask, but he's going to look and sound mm-hmm. like Calabar. Talking about the next next week yeah. stuff. Um, I think that's interesting. Like, when did he make the switch? You mm-hmm. know, does he do that just for, like, what, what's the deal there? Yeah, so let's talk about the PD files, maybe. Okay, Pedopedia, yeah. Because there's a little bit of info on that. We there's... had two of them. The first one is a memo, the origin story of Sister Knight. Is that the one you want to talk about first? No, I feel like since we were already talking okay. about it, let's get to the Cal. Let's skip to Jelani. the Jelani medical yeah. report. Uh, this name's guy's name is Calvin Jelani from Philadelphia, and this is a medical, this is a, yeah, a medical report about a, person was brought to a Vietnamese hospital uh, who had been involved in some sort of accident and this police officer found him dazed and confused and brought him here to the hospital. And there's stuff about vehicular and bicycle collisions, which yeah, I find the, interesting the area given that, that the... Angela said. So Angela is at this point a Saigon police department officer mm-hmm. um, and she found him on a confused state with a minor contusion on his forehead, which is at this point fully healed, no longer visible, in an area that's known for a high rate of vehicular and bis- bicycular yeah. <laughs> accidents. Collisions, which I find interesting given the first uh, scene yeah. of this episode with all these bikes whizzing by sure, sure. Uh, Angela. They're set, setting that up. Um, yeah. Previous employer, Pyramid Global Construction. Did that raise any bell? Do you remember uh, that? Yeah, so Pyramid was the the company that Adrian Veidt was using to mask all of his plans yeah. for the, the the his bunker. Yeah, it's a holding company where he's yeah. running all these off-the-books kind of uh, things that led up to the squid, psychic squid explosion. So you think uh, this is a, a Lady True, or is this a, an Adrian Veidt thing? It's hard to tell. Or neither. <laughs> like, the timeline, so that's 10 years ago. Uh-huh. So way the way I understood the the timeline working is Lady uh, Adrian Veidt disappears seven years ago, and at some point in the intervening years, Lady True through her company bought acquired all of his holdings. Right. So I think at this point that Pyramid would be still under Veidt's control. Mm-hmm. Um. But why Angela would have the idea to use this as like because this is all thick this is all bullshit backstory like this this man didn't exist and now he does. 
Um, which I also wonder, like, how, did she have to have help? Because I feel like Cal would need, like, a social security card and all this other stuff that he's just not going to have. Yeah. Um, the way this re- reads is the doctor's kind of like, yeah, this unusually talkative and helpful officer who took a personal interest in this indigent man mm-hmm. brought him into the hospital, and she said she looked up using her police powers, all this deep the person. But, like, that's not good enough to get you, like you know, a government ID and all the stuff that you would think, I think you would need the, the work in society. Although I think, I guess if he's a stay at home mom, he doesn't need any of that shit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not degrading stay at home moms. I'm just saying that like, if you don't like the the last time I needed a social security card or birth certificate is the last time I held a job Mm -hmm. as podcaster. I haven't needed it. I could have burnt my fucking birth certificate and (laughs) and social security card and changed. I, it did in fact, change my name and no one bats an eye because this isn't a real job. Uh, boy, I just, I feel like I just took another backhanded swipe at stay at home moms. That's a real job yeah. as opposed to podcasting, which is a Yikes. fake ass job. Uh, that still pays real money. Stay, stay, at, home, stay at home. God work. would need, uh, a social security number. If he were to buy a house, if he were to lease a car, if he were to do, there, there are a lot of things you need Get a married? social security Don't number you need for. To, like, yeah. Like, uh, you just, you, you just got married recently. Did you have to throw a show an ID? Uh yeah, you okay. absolutely do. Uh, I don't know how closely they check to make sure. That's like, true. You can get fake. You can get right. that fake shit. So, but you need a social security number to do a lot of things. Like, uh, get social mostly mostly things that rely on like credit histories. Mm. Um, what does at God least in my experience need with a house loan? That's a very good question, especially uh, when he has a wife. There's a couple of um. The, the 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 doctor made some statements or some remarks about the patient being uncommonly passive and quiet. Uh, Officer Abar did most of the talking. Uh, he also explained to me that God doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like and, you know, and the death is the is a finality. Living and dead is the same amount yeah. of molecules. <laughs> he doesn't explain that in the doc, <laughs> by the way. I uh, said that he's polite uh, and composed, which is unusual because usually people presenting with memory loss are like you know borderline hysterical or violent. And also, he yeah. took a great interest in his Dr. Manhattan bobblehead. Mm-hmm. It's pretty clear that that Carl, Carl, that that Cal didn't know that he was Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. So what's with the interest in the bobblehead? Is it just like residual this, self? Residual self. It's, it's generational memory. It's <laughs> yeah. What you think gods don't have memory to pass on to themselves? It's true. It's true. Uh, no, you're right. I I don't know. It's cute. Yeah, like that's that's the answer to all these things that don't quite add up. Is it's cute, and they wanted to throw it in. I, uh, my tolerance for cuteness in the episodes is is way higher than you. My tolerance for cuteness in the PD files is off the fucking charts. Okay, like yeah. dildos named after Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm all for that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about the memo, the origin story of Sister Knight? Uh, yeah. Unless you have some other uh, nuggets that you want to glean from the medical report. No, it does seem like Angelo was in on it. Certainly. Yes. She knew who Cal was, that he was Dr. Manhattan. She In didn't fact, want extra tests done. She didn't want to She's any of the that. one that had to do the heavy lifting once he transformed into his estate. Because it's kind of right. like, um, I mean, that's a kind of an interesting parallel, too, that like in the Bible, Jesus, I think this is orthodox. I never know because I was raised in a weird version of Christianity. But like, it's always been explained to me that like when Jesus was put into Mary and was born a child, that his pre-human existence was kind of clouded over and he couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't until he got baptized by John Clouds that parted. that that uh, the Holy Spirit came down and bequeathed upon him like the knowledge of like what he was before. Yeah. Um. So like I wonder if they're playing around with that a little bit. 
the idea that like once he was born in human flesh, he had no concept of what his past or yeah, his future so. or anything. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think absolutely. All right, let's talk about the origin story of Sister Night. What's the origin story? Uh, this is another she, memo from Agent Petey. She got this tape, mm-hmm. and she eventually made that her life I, what do you mean what's the origin story well there's just like a lot of interesting world world building i guess we talked about how mm-hmm. uh, uh agent pd researched and found that there was this wave of black immigration to vietnam yeah. to escape the racism of the nixon regime and also to find new economic opportunities and also it seemed like that there was like a kind of a bollywood type of vietnamese movie cottage industry from this uh movement where right. They had this sh- sub black subgenre masks. of like black mask movies, yeah. which was their version of black exploitation, and they had uh, a, a, a film called The Black Superman, which was a take on uh, Black Manhattan. They also had takes on uh, there's a Sister Night, Tarantula, and Batman film that were parodies of the Silhouette, Mothman, and Night Owl. Mm-hmm. So I think it's funny that like Batman is actually a black version of Batman. Yeah, that Batman was was being parodied with Night Owl, and the Night Owl now was parodied by Batman in this fictional. Yeah, yeah, and in Snyder version, nice little... Night Owl prevented Bruce Wayne from becoming Batman because he I'm saved right. his parents. And uh-huh. yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of funny stuff here. And the whole point of the the black mask uh, genre was as a social critique was that you know whites or, or, or masks were seen as a white only phenomenon. Yeah. Um, which Reeves being the exception to kind of prove the rule there. Uh, They also revealed the Sister Knight's parents were murdered, which is another reason why uh, Angela might have been attracted to it. I also like the fact that it pointed out that the reason she was drawn to Sister Knight originally is because she looks like her, Yeah, the black woman. Um, Another interesting bit of information here um, that we kind of already should have suspected and knew mm -hmm. is that these films are sort of being... Uh, reintroduced sort of drip fed back into the public sphere um, mm-hmm. all, all forms of like home entertainment mm-hmm. and I find it interesting and, and this must be part of Veidt's master plan right to drip feed certain certain things back to the public and influence mm-hmm. them through the entertainment they consume which if you look at what they said about uh, you know it's, it's all fake until it's not mm-hmm. that kind of thing I think they're getting at that mm. What did you make of... So, remember the brick joke? Mm-hmm. Remember the punchline of that is this this little girl that threw a brick in the air ended up killing God with it. Hits him in the head, yeah. Uh, in in this, she, he, uh, Petey transposes the theme song to The Sister Night. Um, and one of the lines <laughs> right. is, she's got a body like an angel, 3448 yeah. brick red. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a... So, I, I thought the way women's measurements works is you go bust, waist, hip. Yeah, if so, she's 48 in the middle... Or and, and then 30, brick, like a brick house, like she's just a, a pyramid, because uh, I think the brick red is like is like a brick thick. house. I know that much, right? Thick like, with three C's, maybe. Yeah, yeah, a lot three of C's. C's with the, like she's a thick like a brick thick with, three with three C's. Three bricks, yeah. But they they specifically now to talk about Sister Knight and uh, you know this kind of roundabout analogy to her being brick like. Yeah. So has she already fulfilled her primary function of 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 killing the god and busting his head open, or is that yet to come? I mean, it seems like that was her fulfillment of it. Mm. She she literally took uh, just busted his head open. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And then, the kind of sweet note, uh, he did some digging and found that the theater that Will Reeves worked at um, with his projector 
started showing Sister Night every Sunday at midnight in 2017, the same year that Abar put on her mask. Yeah. So her grandpa's been keeping an eye out on her for a long time. Kind of proud of what she's doing, I guess. Maybe. Taking an interest anyway. Yeah. Uh, and that is uh, the PD Files installment for this week. Are we ready for feedback? We are. Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. All new Pulp and Prestige this week. On Tuesday, we'll cover the latest episode of The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live on Pulp. And on Thursday, we'll catch up with the latest Samurai subterfuge on FX Hulu's Shogun. Then on our House of the Dragon feed, Anthony puts on his Maester's class on Monday. And then on Thursday, Steve joins him for Electric Bookaloo as they continue their discussion of George R. R. Martin's A Clash of Kings. Find these and many of our other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Rick, how you doing, buddy? You, you don't know what it's like out there. Hey, man, do, do you even know what it's like out there? No, not really. I've been mostly kind of flying around in helicopters, carving likenesses of Michonne into cell phones, that kind of thing. What is it like out there? Oh, well, I think it's time to find out, man. Last I saw your wife, Michonne, was out uh, following a giant wagon train. That, that sounds pretty weird, but it seems like a family-friendly outfit. I mean, she's got RJ and Judah with her, right? Um, actually, she kind of left them to be raised by... Negan and Daryl. Well, crap. Hold on, let me get my boots. All right, well, Rick is getting ready. Aaron and I are, too. We're preparing to once again recommission the watching dead out of mothball status to find out what's going on with Rick and Michonne, the ones who live. The six-part miniseries premieres Sunday, February 25th on AMC, and we'll be ready with our full episodic coverage each Tuesday. And afterwards, who knows? Maybe we'll check out Dead City. Find our coverage for The Ones Who Live by searching for The Watching Dead or Bald Move Pulp wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we got feedback. You can send it in to watchmen at baldmove.com uh, or you can discuss with your fellow fans at forums.baldmove.com. First up is Daniel. Got some some Bass Reeves detective work. So, so Bass Reeves, the real man, was the inspiration behind the Lone Ranger. We, uh, he says his friend and I both found that funny uh, and that the whole Bass Reeves situation is basically a Blazing Saddles, the movie type situation. Mm-hmm. And this is where it gets weird. Apparently, there was a spinoff reimagining of the television, uh, television show version of Blazing Saddles called Black Bart, and the pilot only aired once in 1975. It was a sham production because in order for CBS to keep the film sequel rights, they had to keep producing something related to Blazing Saddles every year. It's a Spider-Man thing. This is why we had so many shitty Sony versions of Spider-Man. They did four seasons that they never even had plans to air before giving up on the Blazing Saddles property. The show starred, of course, Louis Gossett Jr. Okay. Uh, he says, I don't want to give credit to Lindelof for something that probably just is a wild coincidence, but if by some chance this factored into casting, I'd have to say bravo. And I would too. It's pretty pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Nicholas wants to write in about a comment that Aaron made uh, during y'all's last episode. What would it have been like if Superman had been black? Says, fun fact, if you can imagine it, comic books have probably tried it at least once. Is that rule 35? I don't uh, the number. Anyway. Yeah. There's a Marvel Comics character called Blue Marvel who explores this exact idea. 
There's a number of clear similarities in his background in Dr. Manhattan's. A Marine and Korean War veteran participates in an experiment to harness antimatter. This experiment goes awry, and he's bestowed with a uh, human antimatter reactor-based superpowers, such as flight and vulnerability, super strength, energy projection, molecular manipulation, etc. His friend is also involved in the experiment, gets dissolved in the energy. He goes on to use his powers fighting crime in costume, featuring a full-face mask to hide his identity. He's quite successful, but eventually his helmet is damaged in a fight, and the public learns that he's blacked. Despite all the good he's done, President Kennedy awards him the Presidential Medal of Freedom, but also asks him to retire because the country's just too racially charged to accept a black superhero. Hmm. And then that's, that's it. Blue Marvel doesn't conquer the United States and reform it in his his preferred image, and that'd be kind of rad, though. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, there is there is a that's Marvel's it? at least man, that's a that's a shitty note to yeah. end on. Yeah, yeah, man, it's a real bummer for all the the black kids who are like uh-huh. my hero. Uh huh. Yeah, just like, told to fucking take a Stan seat. Stanley just says that sucks, don't it, kid? Excelsior. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Read an X-Men comic. We'll rub it in some more. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. Um, anyway, Barry writes us and says, I've loved every minute of the show so far, and I can't wait to see what comes of this whole Cal thing. However, wouldn't Angela have known more things that she was surprised about during the season so far, given that she was married to God? Surely she would have been known a bit more about her grandfather, whether her police chief was a white supremacist, what Lady True was up to, or that Why? the white knight was imminent. I think Barry is under the perhaps false impression that Cal is actually Dr. Manhattan and was just like pretending. Yeah, you got to think of these as two different characters. Like yeah. I'm I'm thoroughly of the belief that Cal knows nothing about being Dr. Manhattan. But just from the way he reacts to yeah. Angela in this scene. So, I don't think they're so I think that Cal is Dr. Manhattan and that he's got his kind of sensibilities and his outlook on life mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, you know whatever humanity he had he had left and Joel I always seen or Joe Wait, what was this guy? What was John? John Osterman always seemed like a decent mm-hmm. guy. Um, but yeah, I don't think he has any of the memories or right. capabilities or, you know, future sight that doc- the real Dr. Manhattan has. Um, and also the other thing, the important point to, to note about Dr. Manhattan is his seeing the future was localized to his own experience. Like he didn't know like some like he, it's not like he knew like what some random person living in india mm-hmm. was going to happen unless he like entered their lives or something it's like it, yeah he, he wasn't own... omnipresent he was simply yeah uh, able to view his entire time his omniscience extended to his own lifespan and yeah. even then there was important gaps and and asterisks and all that stuff so um anyway i think that that's the where you were you were headed off in the wrong direction barry uh, Harrison, I know you briefly discussed the weirdness that was the elephants in the instant take and mentioned how they are associated with memory, but I've also heard before seeing this episode that elephants are highly empathetic animals. Aha! Mm-hmm. See, this is what I was talking about. I looked into it, and there's a lot of studies around the subject of empathy in elephants and that they are even known to shed tears in moments of sorrow, such as one of their own pack dying. I know Aaron has talked about an empathy bomb in earlier discussions, and while I disagreed at the time, I think now he may have been onto something, although I'm not exactly sure how any of this would be tied into the story. Um, yeah, it's I kind of moving away from the empathy bomb because it doesn't yeah. seem like it squares up with Lady True's, but also Lady True could be saying a bunch of horseshit for public consumption to hide the true thing that she's trying to do. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The quote-unquote true thing she's trying to do. Uh, Harrison continues. I haven't been following the th- fans 
the fan theory is outside your coverage, so this is probably already being discussed, but have you thought about the books Cal was reading and what they might mean? Angela straight up spoiled the ending to Things Fall Apart, the protagonist hangs himself, and Carl thanks her for the warning with maybe a wink to the audience. He's also seen reading For Whom the Bell Tolls, a book where the protagonist sacrifices himself to save others. To me, this seems like a pretty obvious foreshadowing of Cal slash Dr. M's fate. Um, I did not think to apply these things to, to Cal himself. Um, because like, you know, in, in context, things fall apart. Seemed like they had a perfectly in story, but yeah, I looked into the, cause I haven't read for whom the bell tolls. Um, Mm -hmm. but I did read into the plot and it's a, it's a war, it's a war story set in the Spanish war, um, which is the kind of prelude to world war two and the protagonist, uh, you know, it has to blow up this bridge, kind of like a bridge over the river Kwai kind of thing. And Something goes wrong, and they have to detonate it from a lot closer range, and he gets grievously wounded, and he tells the other people to leave him behind, and there's a person who's going to mercy kill him. He says, no, don't do that. I want to try to take out as many people as I can. Uh, But yeah, he dies this kind of heroic death. Um, Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good for Dr. Manhattan slash Cal, and uh, well-spotted there, Harrison. Gabriel, as a paramedic, the unofficial backbone of my profession is the classic TV show Emergency! Exclamation point. I'd like to point out that in the Calvin Jelani Medical Report in PDpedia, the hospital is listed as Rampart Memorial, the hospital from Emergency! The nurse is Dr. McCall, uh, which is Dick, or I'm sorry, the nurse is D. McCall, and Dixie McCall is a registered nurse from Emergency, and the physician is K. Brackett, Dr. Kelly Brackett, also from Emergency! I have no current input as to the meaning of the reference. And he wondered if we knew anything about that. Um, no, I don't, but I will say that in an unrelated event, I was saw in, uh, on our Mr. Robot coverage last week that someone noticed that a character was talking about going to a precinct in New York that didn't exist. Hmm. And people were going down this like, Oh my God, what is Sam S. Mills trying to say with this number? And someone pointed out that like, NYPD has regulations that you cannot use their official badge numbers, precinct numbers, or anything like that. And I think there's a lot of emergency response because I guess the fear is, you know, you have an officer or somebody overhearing a broadcast that's on a TV public show. That's information, that, though. That's, huh? that's weird. Yeah. Why? Because it's public information. Like, Yeah, but you can make all kinds of rules about public information. But it's kind of like it's, yeah, it's a safety uh, thing. It's like what, strange to me, but okay. The, the 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 explanation I saw is like, what if a fake, like you know, a TV show broadcast is interpreted as an officer's an active one and causes some kind of confusion or you know mm-hmm. something like that? I don't know. Seem kind of thin. What to if me. people are dumb? Yeah. What if people are dumb? They might do dumb things. Yeah. So I think the explanation is that like there must there is some kind of taboo, kind of like using real phone numbers, like you see the five five five, that these fictional locations and fictional precincts, and I I think there's like the eleventh and fifty five precinct are the ones that everyone always uses in like cop dramas in New York. That this maybe this rampart's the same thing, hmm. or it could be the clue we need to break this whole season wide fucking open. Could be. Uh. Dr. Manhattan will defeat Ozymandias over a two-player game of the classic brick-breaking adversarial video game Rampart. Yeah, there you Hmm. go. Uh, Logan, I want to write in about why nostalgia is a key motif of this show. I'd argue in the literary sense, Little Off 
Lindelof. Lindelof is using nostalgia, the drug, as a vehicle for social commentary, critiquing our current nostalgic craze and what it says about society today. This is a good one. I like it. Mm -hmm. In this episode, Lady True calls nostalgia her greatest failure. It's also designed to be taken in very small doses. People are meant to visit the past, learn from it, and evolve. But unsurprisingly, people begin to dwell on the past. In a world of masked police officers, vigilantes, and squids unceremoniously raining from the sky, people turn to their nostalgia. It was the only thing that made sense. It was warm and safe. This parallels nicely with how everything in our world is a reboot, revival, reimagining of an old show a decade's or an old show or a decades-old IP, be it film, show, video game, or even music. Even centuries-old conspiracies like Flat Earth have been rebooted, which makes complete sense considering our current reality. Living in an internet age, we're inundated with news of everything, everywhere, all the time, so much so that sometimes it feels like we're living in the darkest possible timeline. School shootings, political theater, war, riots, uh, uprisings, stock markets crashing, police brutality, etc., it's in dark times like these that people turn to what they know, what they can hold on to. It's why last year Friends in the Office were Netflix's most watched shows. It's why even Lady True, the trillionaire scientific genius, is rebooting her own mother because she can't quite let her go. I think uh, in figuring out what Lindelof is trying to say with this, that it's no accident that nostalgia in the show is a drug, not an experience like VR. That tells us... Uh, wait a second. That tells us that like a drug, looking back to the past can be incredibly helpful, therapeutic even when taken in the right dosage, but also like a drug, it's very addictive. You stay too long, it can be lethal. Whether that's literal death in the show or death of originality in our world is up for you to decide. And let me add to that that yeah. someone else's nostalgia is dangerous. Mm. I think that's especially pertinent when you when you pair it with racism. All you millennials watching Stranger Things, you better watch the fuck out because you're 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 overdosing on Gen X nostalgia. Yeah, and it's gonna make you racist, <laughs> which not, explains not exactly a lot. What I was getting at, explains sure. a lot about these racist zoomers you're always hearing about. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, good. I I thought that was great, yeah. and it stands on its own. And there you go. Uh, let's move on to Raphael. I have a few Doctor Manhattan thoughts for you. Uh, I was listening to the instant talk and you started joking about the possibility of there being Manhattans in different places. Just want to point out that in the book canon, we do see Dr. M splitting himself into multiple beings. Mm -hmm. Towards the beginning, he is seen having sex with Lori while also working in his lab. Not sure exactly how this could play and except thematically with the idea of clones and memories, but I just think that Cal being Dr. M doesn't necessarily prevent Dr. M from being on Mars at the same time. Hmm. Is there a limit to that? Because I was just, when I was reading this email, the first thing I thought is like us know. discussing that Dr. Manhattan's omniscience is limited to his own experience. What if he makes like 7.5 billion copies yeah. of himself, but they're teeny tiny and he just stays in everybody's front pocket? What if so everyone's now... parents are Dr. Manhattan? <laughs> <laughs> like, but so he could, like, why couldn't he do that? And if he did do that, then he would know what everyone's up to at all the times. Do they need to be teeny tiny? This is not a mass problem, right? Well, how weird would it be if there's just a Dr. Manhattan following you? Just, just follow to watch. I'm just. Saying, I mean, it'd be weird for anyone to follow me, but I don't know yeah. if they look like Cal. It'd probably just be normal. They can live it in their ear like... holes. Like I'm just, you know, it's like he's got to be teeny tiny. So it's like you know, ceiling cat. You don't, you don't like ceiling cat because there's a cat okay. looking at you from the ceiling perpetually. It's unnerving. But what if you wake cat up was like the size you... of a water a tardigrade? Uh, no, no one can, no one's afraid of ceiling cat if he's doing that. What if you woke up at night and there was just a disembodied brain and circulatory system hanging above your bed? That would unnerve me. 
I would not act naturally. I would not go about my business. The disembodied lips say, don't mind me. I'm just recording my future. I would not. I would not be comforted by the. (laughs) But if he was teeny tiny and in my ear canal, I wouldn't even know what's happening. (laughs) Gives you hell of brain cancer, though. Christ. Okay. Uh, Good. Good point, though. He could be everywhere, nowhere, anywhere. Who cares? Yes. Uh, In your underwear. Raphael continues, also we know that the 7th Cavalry is trying to kill Dr. Manhattan, but we know and they don't. Uh, man, these people abbreviating shit that's hard to type mm-hmm. out. Be aware that I have to say it. If you say Dr. Manhattan four times in one sentence, that's a mouthful. And now we're talking Ozymandias and 7th Cavalry and this and LG looks like, and LT. This looks and... like a graphics card announcement. Um, Let's see, with DDR6000 uh, that uh, Jesus, can I start over? Also, we know that 7th Cavalry is trying to kill Dr. Manhattan, but we know and they don't that Ozymandias has already tried to kill him. As Dr. Manhattan has said, reassembling myself was the first trick I learned. It didn't kill Osterman. Did you think it would kill me? Hmm. I think that he may let them kill him to think they've won only to come back again. That's a tough thing to pull off uh, from an audience perspective because mm-hmm. we know, right? Like, right. Okay, maybe they don't know that they can't kill him, but mm-hmm. we know, and this whole thing is just going to be seen as pointless if yeah. we think that they don't have some evolution on the tech right. that would actually threaten him. Because Dr. Manhattan wasn't going along with Adrian Veidt's attempt to kill him no. in the first one. He was going into this tachyon-saturated laboratory, and he just stepped into the field generator and zit, but got bug zapped. Right. So, I don't know. It's, ta- it's going to be... It's, it's just, just thing that's is, a fine line to walk. Buckle in... You're going to hear a explanation involving intrinsic fields and tachyons, yeah. and there's no way to falsify that because that's not real science. Mm-hmm. So you might as well just say it's they bottled I mean, an Ozymandias yeah. fart and shook it up and put their thumb over the bottle and just sprayed it all over Manhattan. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's all it's all crazy stuff anyway. Um, but we'll see. We'll seal. We'll seal. We'll seal. We'll Lucille Ball. So next email is from Alex. He says, have you seen the following theory? And he essentially recaps the theory we talked about where Vite gets turned into the statue, gets sent to Earth in asteroid or meteorite form. True retrieves him. Um, She sets the statue up and is doing some stuff with it and will somehow reverse the process to make Vite human again. So, yeah, we talked about that. But here's another wrinkle. Uh, I'd guess that Vite had a hand in setting up the Cal identity for Dr. Manhattan in exchange for being sent to paradise. It's how he knows that Manhattan isn't going to be back to check on the life he's created. Um, Hmm. But the uh, the timelines just don't add up. Cal came into existence as Angela's love interest in 2009. Mm -hmm. Vite disappeared seven years ago. So there's a three-year gap between Cal being Dr. Manhattan where he would have the have the ability to pull all this off uh, and then, you know, being a human where he didn't even know he's Dr. Manhattan had no powers that he could call upon. Yeah. And, and that's, that's all predicated on the theory that um, Dr. Manhattan is contained entirely within Cal, right? That yeah. there aren't other versions of him out there. Yeah, that's true too. Um, so, yeah, you're right that the timeline doesn't quite work. But uh, we'll see. 
we'll see. Maybe I'm interpreting things and, you know, all times a flat circle, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is feedback for the week. That is the podcast for the week. Uh, it's been, uh, we've, we've definitely spent the time on the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be back next week, next Sunday for the instant take and instant talk podcast. If you're a club member, uh, which is available as soon as the Eastern uh, time zone showing of Watchmen is completed. Uh, we'll also be back Tuesday for a full coverage of our podcast like we always are. You can send feedback to that podcast at watchmen at baldmove.com or discuss it with your fellow fans on forums.baldmove.com. Until that time, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. And we'll see you then.